0: He turns or he says something like, I just heard a bear roar. I was like Pfft. By the time I had opened my bolt and closed it again, she was like four yards from me. And all I did was I grabbed that gun like a pistol and I just pointed it at her and I pulled the trigger and he could see my carotid artery and he's, he didn't say anything. He's a pro, right? And I I was just like,
1: man, tell my wife I love her. And he's like, shut up. All right. Welcome back, everybody. It's Aaron here from Corlane Sporting Goods. Greg is by my side here for this one. And we've got a very special guest today. Before we get into the guest, I just wanted to let you know that it's been a little while since we've had our last podcast. Our first two podcasts went over quite well, and we've got lots of uh, constructive feedback. And we are always looking for more guests. So if you have, if you are someone or you know someone that you think would be an excellent guest for this podcast, please reach out. To them, reach out to us and comment below the video if you're watching this on YouTube and let us know who we should uh, talk to next. So, um, our third installment of Hunt Hard Talk Free, and um, this is probably one of my most anticipated guests. I've thought about him since the time we started podcasting, as he has uh, an epic adventure to tell and some lessons to, to teach us. So, um, without further ado, this is Robbie Austin, and I, I got to say, we've traveled in some similar circles. We've met through some friends. And I got to say, he's probably one of the nicest guys I know. He's a hard-working man. He runs his own company, Ram Oilfield Services. And he is a family man who spends his free time with his wife and kids traveling epic adventures everywhere he goes. Yeah. And I follow him on social media to see what these adventures look like. And it's, it's phenomenal. Aside from that... Um, Robbie's a, quite the outdoorsman, and I would call him a bit of a sheep hunter extraordinaire. And before we started filming, I got to hear a little bit of his pre-story, his background story. And I kind of had to cut him off, because I think you guys will want to hear it as well, so. Um, Rob, anything, uh, did I miss anything no, in the basic introduction? That's, uh, quite alright. Yeah. Um, so,
0: Aaron just found this out, I'm not from the peace country Uh, my brother and I moved up here from the Okanagan to work in the oil field and uh but that was
2: 2003 I think oh really
0: yeah yeah well so it all started so Aaron asked me earlier about you know where I'm from and then I said I was from Vernon and then then he said oh I thought you were like you know a Fort St. John born and raised hunter like you know a lot of people are up here they've been on pack trips since they were little kids and uh i had friends that were already guiding and they were a couple years older and i was in university with my my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife and they would come back in october with stories and pictures and i'd only ever with my dad we'd hunted you know white tail mule deer down in the kootenays and black bears and uh we went on one goat hunt which was the only mountain hunt and weren't successful
2: yeah and then and mule deer hunting in the kootenays is a is very close to a, a sheep hunt in a lot of places if you're D- doing- down there it was a lot of uh, park the
0: truck walk cut bucks oh okay uh, or stand hunting yeah. uh, so like I hadn't had the like we did the one goat hunt in Revelstoke and uh, I almost killed my dad <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways so my friends would come back and I'm in second year uh, bachelor of science gonna be a pharmacist and hating my life, uh, or well, I was going to attempt to be a pharmacist. I don't know if I would have got there. <laughs> and my wife, she was going to be a teacher. She became a school teacher. Great. I had other friends that were driven to their goal. I was just there because I thought I was supposed to be there. And they'd come back, and they'd say, oh, yeah, we shot this caribou, this sheep, this, you know, and all this. And they would tell stories, and I finally said, I want to do that. And they laughed at me. They were like, "Yeah, you don't, you don't really have any experience." Yeah, and uh, I You're said, a
2: "Pharmacist
0: in your soft hands." I said, yeah. <laughs> "I said I'll I'll do the entry level job," and they kind of thought I wasn't serious. And then I kept on pushing it, and then they said, "Well, we'll see if we can get you a job," and they did. And I went up to Gundahoo River Outfitters, which is yeah by Montreal Lake, yeah. and worked for the outfitter there at the time, uh, which is it's still the same family's running the outfit. And they uh, let they let me come on, which at first Chad said I'd probably be working for fifty bucks a day, and I got more than that. But it it, it was
1: it was fair. But you Where, know,
2: did he a wrangler position right yeah, off the hop? Yeah, oh, okay.
1: So so you're stepping down from a six to seven figure salary as a <laughs> I never, as a pharmacist. Yeah. Had you continued down that
0: path? That's what they, they said. They said you know you'll be making fifty dollars a day, and I said I don't care. I need to get away from school, and we went up there. And they put me on a horse a couple times down south before we went up, so I wouldn't look like, like a complete idiot, because I had no experience. And I went uh, up and went preseason guiding or scouting with uh, one of my friends and learned quite a bit about hiking and what your body can do, because it definitely was the most physical thing I've ever done in my life. I like I lost, I was I'm I'm about 180 pounds now. I was 170 pounds when I went up there, and I went to 155 pounds in about two weeks. Yeah. And I was just a bone rack. And um, we were hiking, you know, up to 10,000 feet up and down vertical a day. Because you're scouting. You're scouting. You're, scouting. you're not, you're, you're you're not hunting. You're not yeah.
2: timing. You are just yeah. hovering. And away. we're
0: starting from the valley bottom in a lot of these every day. Some of those areas oh. are like
2: big valleys. It was
0: back. crazy. So. I've never been so tired of my life, but it was awesome. <laughs> I progressed. I learned the horses enough that. I got to guide that fall, uh, which I wasn't expecting, and, which was good, because that's kind of what I wanted to do, but the, uh, I was tell I started to tell Aaron, the first dead moose I ever saw was the first one I guided. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was,
2: oh my, it was like, here.
0: holy, like, there's a 50-inch moose, like, well, I, I didn't even know, like, I knew it was big, uh, like a shooter, and it was legal, but, uh, it's laying on the ground and the hunter didn't know it was my first moose. And he goes, geez, that thing's big. Like, and I was like, yeah. like, Never seen one. Like, I yeah. didn't say it. But, no,
2: about like, what your, now? No,
0: we, you know, <laughs> your internal voice is oh. saying,
2: what have I done?
0: Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. Now well, what? But, but I, I got it hacked up and, you know, split up at least so I could get back to the camp and they had a more experienced guide. And he helped me out and got me on my way and I think we... I don't know, it was a really good year for moose. That was like two thousand three, maybe. Yeah. Two thousand two. Moose there was lots of moose up there. Not like when we go up there now. And uh first day of almost every guide in the outfit, first day of every hunt, you'd probably kill a fifty to sixty inch moose. Yeah. Wow. It was crazy. I, I I think I got four that year. Which Holy. was which is crazy. Yeah. Like and, and you had choice like a, yeah like a 50 inch was kind of the minimum like a nice 50
2: yeah pretty a, right? yeah what you're Not going so for going on,
0: right? and you know up and bigger and like it was easily like you just you couldn't just pick them out of the field kind of thing but if you hunted a valley hard for a day you'd find a moose
2: yeah
0: for sure and they were rotten and there's moose everywhere but anyways i kind of fell in love with it i did it for a couple of years that's how I got working up here because uh, the guiding season, like I started in September, or July 15th, uh, pre-season scouting.
2: Oh, you always started that. Early. Oh, yeah, yeah
0: I go up, I, I wrangled for sheep guides. I never guided <laughs> yeah. I didn't have the knowledge. I was probably just getting close to there when I
2: quit. Yeah, and being a BC guide for sheep and everything that you, yeah, you yeah. have to be really a Yeah, those, those
0: guys were... Territories,
2: you can be a little bit more green because you're... you're your yeah. local competition. Well, like,
0: most of those things. guys were shooting sheep off of age, right? Yeah. That I, that I got, wrangled <coughs> for. And I wrangled for some, like, really experienced sheep guides. Uh, and then and then uh, I progressed, and I got to do moose, goat, caribou every fall for three years. Uh, but by the third year, I was already, like, I had, was a welder's helper my first year. Because I, I got back in October, and then I spent two weeks with my girl... And then, my friend in uh, by Athabasca hired me to do white-tailed deer, which I <laughs> never knew how to do that either. <laughs> but you're a guy. you got to yeah. know this, right? So, yeah. But it's a lot different. You stand yeah. hunt, and uh, th- same thing as the moose. When I went there, that was in 2003-ish. Uh, yeah. There was tons of deer there, and like a 150 buck, you could pretty much guarantee a hunter would get a 150 buck. Like they'd have more than one chance at one. And so basically what I did, I put, I put 10,000 kilometers on my F-250 in that one month there, and 4,000 on my quad, and you set up stands, you'd have two hunters, and they're controlled when they're in the stand. So you, you take them to the stand, you put them in the stand, and then you come back, and you take them out of the stand. Right. And they're not even supposed to get out of the stand if they shoot something, with their gun at least. Yeah. Like, they're supposed to, because you're controlling them in the stand. Yeah. And, uh. It was it was really cool actually, and I met a lot of my close friends. Uh, I'm still friends with a bunch of the guys that I worked with there, and I worked there for three years during the season. And I even did a a little stint in Revelstoke, but doing black bear guiding. But uh, by the end of the three years, I was already doing what I'm doing now with the back trucks. I was working for my friend, and it uh, I was kind of burning out on. I had like exceptional hunters that were like you were. You were in camp with a guy hunting. Yeah, It was awesome. And then I had these entitled people. Yeah, And that it just burnt me out. And I'm, I was taking holidays at the end to be with them. And the last year, I had two of the best hunters I'd ever had. Uh, and then t- two of the not best. <laughs> yeah. You can say well, yeah. they're, they were terrible. Yeah, they were terrible. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was. And it just, by the end of the season, my the outfitter I worked for, Art, was really good. And he said you know what, do you want to go guide this guy, or do you want to go with your dad and look for lost horses? He's was like, lost horses. And I went and cut firewood and, and horse trails. and, and uh, then up the strays. Yeah, but then we got to start sheep hunting for ourselves, so it was awesome. But, and he'd let you hunt
1: the areas that you guided?
2: Uh, <laughs>
0: not really. What he did do, I art was really good to me and he was good to a lot of his guides especially guys that came back and worked really hard yeah but uh the one year uh hunt got cancelled so he said well you haven't been to this area take these horses go up there spend eight days uh scouting and i bought you a caribou tag." oh wow so i i hunted and and uh i i got a really good caribou like a well it's it's on my wall it's it's a really good pull but i i don't have you ever hunted by yourself for eight days like nope. without another human nope. it's it's a different thing i was definitely talking with my horses a lot like it was it was like i was Wilson. so lonely after after like i'm a talkative guy yeah and after a couple of days it was just like okay this is and, uh, this is awesome and i i think i was probably day five that i was like okay this is fine i can do this but I like people. Yeah, and Art flew in. It was like the end of September, so caribou were, ends then, right? Yeah. And uh, he flew in, and he said, "Where's your caribou?" And I said, "I I didn't shoot one. I saw I saw four or five legal bulls, but nothing that I I don't want to shoot something if I don't look at it and I'm happy every time I see it. Especially like I'm taking the meat, but that's a trophy animal to me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm taking the meat, but I might only shoot one. So that's right. when like I look it. at it, yeah whether it's big or small, I just want uh, like a memory, right? Yeah. And uh, so he, he says, okay, the hunter's not coming in until tomorrow and tomorrow's the last day of the season. Tomorrow morning you're gonna go out and find that caribou you haven't found and you're gonna shoot it and deal with it <clears throat> and be back to camp for tomorrow night for when the hunter comes in. And I, I had seen the same four or five bulls, like there were a couple hundred caribou up there in these three different drainages that I was hunting. And I, I had seen them, and I went other ways and didn't see any. I saw them almost every time I went up there. I could find all the bulls. And I went up there that next morning in the fog, found a different bull that I'd never seen, way nicer than the other ones, and shot it. <laughs> <laughs> but they said the funny thing was, is I think it's because I've been on my own so long, I had the sap phone because he told me, as soon as you shoot one, I need to know so I can try and fly it out so your hunter doesn't have to look at your animal. Because yeah. that's... Not really professional.
2: Yeah. No, it is not. Yeah, yeah. hunting for yourself yeah. while guiding. Again, we touched on a little bit of that on another conversation. Is why didn't I shoot a bull that good? You know, you're, exactly. you're, you're setting a bar. He doesn't know that you just spend eight days tromping around no, and looking yeah. and everything else. And then you've been.
0: That was my second year, I think. Yeah. But uh, so I shoot it, but they like nobody answered the sap phone at the lodge, so I had the sat phone on me, and I call. Right after I, like, he's down, I went and checked that he's down, and I'm, I had my pack beside him, and I'm up on, like, a ridge in the fog with no trees, like, it's above Alpine, yeah. or it's Alpine, and, uh, <laughs> they said I, the, the message was the most, the, or the saddest sounding guy who just shot a really nice caribou with would ever heard, he's like, hey guys, this is Robbie, I got my caribou, I guess you should fly in tonight if you can and get it, and then they hung up, they thought they said something's wrong with this guy but (laughs) just the mono time it was it was really weird like especially it was fine when you're like hiking and hunting and then you get back to the because we had a a cabin that we were coming back to and uh i deal with my horses and get them all squared away and kicked out and then then it was like
2: okay i guess i'll go to bed like yeah, I read now, my book for a while. Now I got to kill yeah. three hours and then yeah. go
0: because it's dark. It's it's end of September. Uh, yeah, so, so there's a lot of dark. Yeah, but yeah, so there there was some really good times up there. So I did get to hunt a little bit when I didn't have a hunter. Right. But uh I I I hunt areas mm-hmm. close to that. Now I mm-hmm. made it. The outfitter we had a handshake when he hired me that I wouldn't hunt his area. Yeah. Uh, and I'm friends with them, like I count them as friends, right, so I wouldn't do it anyways, like they paid me to learn how to do that, uh, in their area, it would be very disrespectful. I, if somebody yeah. did that to me, it would bother me,
2: Yeah, right? and the difference is, is that if you're invited <laughs> to... Oh, yeah, it's completely different. You know, it's, it's like an invitation to a ranch or a farm or shown a spot or whatever, I mean, you are, you've been basically provided this information, and it is very important information oh, yeah. and it it affects his bottom line as well Like, they,
0: well they paid he, me for he, 300 days <coughs> for over three years yeah. to learn how to hunt in their
1: area right? Yeah, right. that's right so and um, every every nice every trophy you take out of there is one less that they're
0: well yeah and, and so. also like it would just bother me
1: if yep. I, like you know he's a business person but he's you know that's his family business yeah yeah well but e- even just hunting etiquette if you invited me out elk hunting this weekend yeah and took too me my to a spot, spot that I've yeah. never been. I wouldn't be going back to that spot without without you or, beside me, or, or your or permission,
0: you, or me saying, "Hey, you, you know, on uh, yeah. That's his first time hunting. Yep. This guy, uh, take him out there. Take him out there. Yeah, great. Yeah. But
1: uh, enforce the same kind of poly- yeah. you know, policies that I do. Hunting ethics are, sure. are huge, and it, it's one of those things that can make or break the experience for many first time or
0: I just feel like it's an honest and though.
2: the relationships yeah. I mean a lot of hunting relationships are basically starts off good you see this side of a guy or this guy of the guy they cross a moral standard yeah. that you operate within yeah. it's pretty much the last time that that person hunts with you. oh yeah for sure and it can be all sorts of different things that And I I find it interesting on
1: some of the hunting Facebook posts and forums and stuff, people are like, hey, anyone want to take me hunting this weekend? I'm heading to this area. And it's just been ingrained in me from such a young age that hunting is one of those things that your hunting partners are, the number of partners you have are like this, and you keep keep them close. And I mean, once those relationships start, it's not one of those, let's take everyone and their dog and go with everyone, because ethics come
2: into play honesty yeah. um law abiding it Some might be me and you, your spot yeah and but me and you will never go into your spot
0: right no unless you were both like
2: hey hey you know robbie robbie's sweet What's yeah that? you know yeah, he's never he's shot never a shot shot off, an elf, like, like, and we you just you saw this, this perfect five by five well, yep. let's get him out here yep. you know yep. no that's you know this is a huge great you know oh, it, it's kind of funny well it's the we, same
0: thing, like you know you've hunted a lot of areas i think you've done a little bit of guiding too oh, haven't yeah. you or or maybe yeah. a fair bit but as soon as people that don't know you very well that are you know avid hunters they're grilling you like oh well what do you know about the the area yeah and it's like yeah i'm not going to <laughs> what do you know about it i'm not hunting there i'm not going to tell you no. how to hunt there no. like that that's like terrible but you know a guy's got to try right some people yeah know. maybe <laughs> i mean no. again i, I well, like it. you know if if somebody asks and they want to tell that's their deal right but, yep but yeah. furthermore uh, i don't know i the guiding lifestyle is great and but i wasn't i just i'm actually not a crazy sheep hunter i like sheep hunting yeah but i it's it was for the longest time it was my excuse to go in the mountains because i didn't shoot around for like five years after I quit guiding. My very first hunt uh, after, on like day three, we saw like a decent stone sheep. I was with a friend who's really experienced. So like I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that's a legal ram and it looks nice, but I'm not excited. It was, I'm, yeah. I'm big on dark rams. And it was a light ram and it was in summer, so it wasn't haired up. And it wasn't huge. It was eight or nine though, so he was old enough. Yeah,
2: mature ram. I'm resident.
0: big on... <clears throat> I'm big on like unique, like huge, obviously, that's a whole other level. Oh, yeah. But, you know, outside of that, I'm big on really old, unique, because if I only shoot one, that's my, and I'm not gonna shoot a round every year. That's, I, I I'm, it's not me, even if I had the chance, uh, unless I'm shooting like 13 year olds. Mm-hmm. I would shoot a 12 or 13 year old round every year. Yeah. But
1: I wouldn't shoot an eight year old round and, and that was something that I learned on my first sheep trip, which we'll talk about a little bit here. I'll, we'll probably have a whole podcast just on that one, but I'd love to talk a little bit about it. But I gained a lot of respect for the guys that I went sheep hunting with and their ethics on sheep hunting versus sheep killing. Yeah. Each one of the, like the three guys that I went with have all, all have a ram on the wall. Yeah. And they basically said, you got first pull of the trigger if, if we come across a legal ram and it's up to you to whether you want to take it or not and it, and what your thoughts are on, um, of course, we we spent hours figuring out or confirming that it was a legal ram, even though we all right off the bat said, yeah, it's legal. We spent another three to four hours oh, it's with spotting scopes right? and a camera, and and we spent the time before we and made sure all four of us agreed for sure that's a legal ram. But the day after, um, when we're skinning out the face, there was... John, John was like, "I got to get up and go for a stretch." And how come you guys aren't over there scoping the the hillside kind of thing? And he says, "I, I got to go stretch my legs." And so I continue. He's, he showed me how to flip the eyelid or flip, like do do everything the on the skull. And he walked away. And so I'm still sitting there just with picking, with, away oh it. yeah, picking yeah. away and, uh, and and just so slow. But I was just learning. And so while I'm doing that, he comes back and he's like, "Grab your camera, he's <laughs> come here." And the other guys are sitting back, relaxing kind of thing and so grabbed the camera we head over and we saw another ram and the other guys came over and we got pictures of it and stuff and, and and we all took some time looking at it and it was you know what pretty sure that one's legal too what do you guys think is it worth trying to get closer and now it's the evening of the next day and we're planning on heading up the next morning yeah and we're like ah it's gonna add another day we got to get back to the boat and and all three of them said you know what we've got a ram on the wall that thing doesn't blow any of us away if it was me and it was my first ram, I would have been... I'm hiking over there to get a closer look oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But we're talking a shale slide with some death cliffs and stuff like and that. And you just and, shot a round. And I just shot a yeah. ram. So, I mean... So, you're like, great. <laughs> mine had more mass. It had more character. It's ugly. It's, it curls in. It's, awesome. it's just lots of crazy character to it. For a first ram, I couldn't have picked a ram that would, would have made me more happy. I mean, yeah. I now... And, and from talking to them and listening to them, they they talked a lot about the ethics of sheep hunting versus sheep killing. There are guys that want to go out every year and come home with a the sheep. They don't Any care sheep. what
0: it is. If yeah. it's legal, they want they to They want to shoot them. a big one, but they'll take a round at the end yeah. of the hunt. Yeah, they want that
2: picture. can not shoot a hundred and seventy inch whitetail if you no. keep shooting 135s all the time. Yeah, right.
1: and, and I, I saw it from a different perspective because of what they had to say, and I had a lot of respect for all three of them because we could have come home with two, but... No, they all said this is not about the kill and just getting a ram on the wall it, it's about the experience and the, the unique, uniqueness of the ram that you take and, and the story that goes with it and everything and, and opened my eyes to see that it wasn't ram killing
0: yeah it's, it's which you know what I don't know if I'm 100% against it it's just I don't think everyone should be taken a ram like because if everybody did we'd have a serious problem oh yeah like it's yeah. one thing if there's a couple like because some of those guys that take a ram every year are beasts, like those yeah. guys are a crazy fit. Like yeah. the, you know, they hike hard to get that. They, they they don't, a lot of them don't just fall into it. No. But no. And then they're taking that whole sheep out every year. And, and I'm just, like, sometimes yeah. I'm in awe of it. Yeah. Sometimes they keep on doing better, but... uh, And it, you know, it's all a personal preference. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm no like authority on this no it's what? just my personal thoughts
1: on it and ethics might have been the wrong word because it's fully ethical too yeah, right? everything's legal yeah, about it. Yeah. but it's just that personal choice and leaving them to get one year bigger and they might be there next like there's there's, and so they, much.
0: there's just a good chance if they're eight or nine that they're not going to be there yep but it's i'm maybe i'm lazy too i i don't want to pack a sheep <laughs> off if i don't need to it's a lot of work like yep but like i said i like going to be up there like I was j- all, not quite as happy. Like I like, I like being in the alpine. It's awesome. Yeah. But uh, I was just as happy being out in the bush half the time cutting horse trail. Yeah. Like I love being out there. So for five years I didn't kill around. Yeah. I didn't even have an opportunity on two of my hunts because or nothing that even floated a person's boat. Yeah. But the first first three days I said no yeah. because we're both looking at it and my friend who is like got me into it basically he uh he's like yeah it's a respectable round it's probably 150 like it's a good round yeah it's eight or nine years old like it's it's legal curl and uh i was just like i am not excited like it doesn't when i look at that and it's the third day of our hunt which is 12 days yeah like yeah, it's you're hot out. Out
2: of your no no and yeah.
0: are, are, are we gonna have yeah. a shorter hunt to shoot that sheep mm-hmm. i don't want to yeah i said if you want to let's do it yeah, but uh, yeah. So, finally, five years later, I got my first round, and it's uh, not a big round. It's 13 and a half years old, nice. which, which is made me happy because my brother shot a cranker like three weeks before. <laughs> he was on a backpack hunt, <clears throat> shot a book round, like a beautiful. Like I th- was Everything. it forty-two inch round? Everything. Yeah, it's like fifteen and a quarter. I don't know, big bases. Yeah. forty-two inches long, forty-two and a half or something. Uh, it's it is massive. Like th- one of the biggest sheep I've ever held in my hands. Yeah, and uh, and we're going out like two weeks <laughs> later, three weeks later on my hunt on the horses. And he knew I was like fairly picky. Like it doesn't have to be big, but it has to be old or unique or like. A broken horn ram. I, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, uh, and I, he made me agree that any respectable ram I will shoot on this hunt. He's like, you need to get a sheep. Our business is called ram Oilfield. <laughs> and, Not uh, ramless. Yeah. yeah. So we find a ram, finally. And it's, we we bedded him the night before because I wasn't comfortable shooting over 500 yards. He had just got his husk dialed in. And I might have too, but I hadn't shot it. And he's like, oh, these things are, like, I've shot mine lots. I could shoot that. I was like, I don't want to. If I, if I wound it, it's at 500 yards. I'm not a good enough shooter yeah. to keep on shooting at it out to 800 yards. Like, yeah. I don't feel confident. We're not going to, so fair enough. We bedded them, and we had aged them. He was definitely full curl. We had aged him at 500 yards because it was nice and not hot out to, like, at least 10. Yeah. So I was like, "Okay."
2: You're stacked up in that bottom
0: Yeah, right yeah. He was, he was, he was. Uh, so the next morning we came back and got him fairly <laughs> easy. stock like it was a couple hours, but everything went fairly well, and he fell off the mountain. <laughs> and luckily, unfortunately, I was really excited about getting a lot of the meat and a good portion of it got destroyed. Yeah. So we, we packed it out anyways. But I even took video yeah. for. The COs to see like I did the same ruff, thing because I could grab. He fell about seven hundred yards, huh. bouncing, and it didn't break his horns somehow. But yeah. you could grab the back of that ram, and his head was laying on the ground, and you could twist him. And he was like squishy. Jello. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. It made me sick almost coming down the mountain, not seeing the sheep, just following like these the bounce. Well, there's yeah. there's one spot there was a rock pointed about like that 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 was the it had Probably fallen like 150 feet, free falling, and then bounced off this shale and then hit this rock and it eviscerated it. Wow! And so the next thing I found was intestines. Yeah. And the ram was still like hundreds of yards below me. Yeah. But got the ram out, and it's beautiful ram. And every time I look at it, I'm happy. And uh, yeah, it was. That's how we got into sheep hunting. Right on. And you've each got one now. Uh, yeah, Matt. My brother is all about the big horns right now. Okay. he's gearing up. I think this will be his third year going. He goes with some friends uh, down in the southern cooties, and uh, he just is in love with it right now. but he, <laughs> I am also not going on as many big hunts lately because my kids are at that age. They're seven and nine right now. Yeah. and we're doing a lot of fun stuff, and that's time with them. Like, if I go on the hunt without them, right? Yeah. It's time that I don't get to spend with them because.
2: And they're just at that age where it's tough to include them in a full on
0: different style. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, It's, uh, you know, you kind of have owning your own business. Uh, It's more in our heads, probably, but because there's two of us, so one guy can leave. But you can only take so many days away from the company and feel good about it. Yeah. So, throughout the year, we have a place at the Ski Hill. And I take quite a few days on the weekends in the winter uh that I go there, and then you know we do family trips, and so I kinda every year there's seven or eight or nine days that's what I get in yeah. the mountains if I'm lucky yeah but yeah so yeah it's uh i i like I could go every year without killing anything though yeah, i, I used to be in the mountains yeah, yeah. like i'm uh, actually after a goat right now yeah, yeah like that's if i i'm I might go with a friend here. Uh, on the 24th for eight or nine days. He's not a horse guy, but we agreed that we'll take four horses and pack light if we go. And uh, he saw a ram a little while ago that he wants to go back and see if he can find again or have a chance. And he was starting to tell me, he's like, it's my spot, we can go in, we can... uh," And he's like, but that ram, and I said, whatever, I won't even shoot anything if you don't want me to, it's your spot. He's like, I was like, you could have the ram. I said, if there's another ram and it's something unique... I will be interested in it, but I said I could care less if I sh- actually shoot a sheep. I'd be ha- just as happy to go look at it. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: yeah, assistant.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like being the regular still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and with yeah. the intensity of sheep hunting, I mean, doing a little digging and research, I've spent so much time now on Google Earth and online and, and looking up all sorts of things and about sheep hunting because I had such a phenomenal trip. I mean. I lost nine pounds in seven days on the trip. Oh, I bet. And I lost about nine pounds leading up to the trip over a couple months just doing the cardio stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just, I, I see the addiction and, and the, the drive to want to get back out and do it again. Oh, for sure. Just it's, being out there with all deep. your gear and just the being up there and the accomplishment of getting to a spot like that and looking over and seeing the sights and not another person in sight, hopefully.
0: Well, <laughs> at the point when I went that first year as a wrangler, that was by and far. It probably still is one of the hardest physical things I've ever done in my life. Yep. Like I've done not not crazy stuff, but you know I've done the Emperor's Challenge. Yep. That is like a part of a day of sheep hunting. <laughs> like a hard day of sheep hunting is like doing that a couple times.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Like it's it is, and it's crazy when you like do it. How you just get accustomed to it. it's still hard. Yeah. like a hundred days into the season it's still hard to hike that mountain yeah but and you hike working it
2: out. it never gets easier no
0: but you hike it faster. you can just do
2: it longer yeah
0: right? it's crazy and the, the craziest part is is even now like that was 13 years ago that I quit guiding so I was getting like crazy exercise for the first half of the season, at least, until I started doing boosts, and then I'd quite often pack on more weight than I ever have in my yeah, life. because you're like, because you're, you're, you're eating, yeah. I, I ate like crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. We'd make spaghetti, and we make as much could fit on it, like you'd do <laughs> a pound of hamburger for two guys, uh, a big can of sauce, a can of tomatoes, can of mushrooms, yeah. and then you'd chop garlic in there, and then like noodles, like, and you'd have a plate like that every day. We ate spaghetti almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> Carb loading. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> every morning was pancakes with peanut butter and jam and bacon on top,
1: and I lost weight the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It was it was crazy. You but, can just eat anything, uh, which is good. Well, and that's why sheep hunting is. From from what I read online, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but only three percent of hunters. Actually, are successful sheep hunters because it's so intense
0: well, and there's not that there's especially if you go into new areas and you're inexperienced there's a lot of luck, especially after the first two weeks of the season, yeah, because those rams have been in there for a bit they're habituated to that area unless a predator chases them out, which we are predators yeah, and like. I am not a pro. Like, I have met sheep hunters that are way, way better, way more <laughs> experienced than me. But, you know, like, there's a lot of guys getting into it, and not that it's even their fault, but you're sitting on a mountain way over, and you see them walk over the top of the mountain, blow the sheep out, right? It's
2: it's crazy. Without, I mean, even this year, just coming back from a hunt. The wind was bad in this valley, and we're, well, you know, we, we'd seen rams all in here, and we agreed, you know, Nice rounds, couple small speakers. You know, we're like, well, we'll push it toward evening, the wind's been changing right toward dark. But by the time we get to the tail end of this valley, you're back at late. So, same thing, bad wind. I mean everything in that valley was sneaking out the back. We like had spotted a couple of caribou cows and stuff, and they're sneaking out the back and just trickling off into these little fingers and hiding yeah. as we're going through. I wasn't all that concerned about it, nor No, nor was the guy I was with, you know, like, let's just get back there and take a peek into this little hidden basin, which the wind was good coming out of it, but everything else in that whole valley, if you don't think you stink up, like, a mile worth of real estate, you do. Oh, I bet, yeah. And, you know, from spotting everything previously, looking at, like I say, a couple of caribou, the moment we really started moving through, and caribou or not super spooky. No,
0: no. Uh, those do guys. this and they run back to
2: you. <laughs> yeah. So but or if sometimes. they see you, they can accept you. Yeah. If they hear you, they might not care. They smell you, they don't like it. Big time.
0: Yeah, they uh that's why they're always trying to get your wind, right? Yeah. They'll run right up to you trying to get your wind, thinking they can run away
2: from you, I think. Yeah, I'm fast. Yeah. 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 So, you know, when you see those type of animals which starting to move, and then he, and so we went in, yeah, and got into the spot, yeah, and I hiked up this little thing, I busted a ram below me that was bedded in buck brush, like at the bottom <laughs> of the valley, right, I didn't even see it, my friend Lou had seen it, I missed, I'm just lining from this thing so I can get up real high to look back in this basin, so I'm watching as I'm going up into here,
0: yeah,
2: this area, I mean, we wrote it off already, it's a small one, he said, yeah, it was just he sat down and he was waiting for me because he I ain't going to walk up there. You go for you will run up there. So, and then boop, now the half curl ram pops up all on his own right there. And then on our exit, I'm walking out and I catch a bunch of ewes of lambs that just come out of this little notch and were just, just poke their noses out up over top where, and they had left, guaranteed. They're feeding down in the buck brush and stuff quite low this time of year. Yeah. And they had exited and hid and then you know things kind of calm down everything's good So on our way out boom 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 so you think about what you push oh on. and like
0: that's like i have done all these things that any rookie has done for sure not even knowing that you know like it's it's like if somebody says you know i saw two bears walking through the, like i was hunting for five days and i saw two bears well, if you're walking around the five days and there's bears in there, you probably walk by 10 and you didn't even know it, yeah. right? Like, yeah. And it's the same with all those animals, but, you know, there's some guys that are more turned on to it. I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> I, I just love being up there, and uh, I enjoy, like, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm super happy when I'm You there. don't
2: have to micromanage the situation. You let it land on your lap, Yeah, and that's good enough.
0: Yeah. So, uh, it's a... it's. One of the best things about being a BC resident is having
1: all the opportunity we have to do it. Talking to an Albertan customer that was just showing me phenomenal footage of a buck that I hope I get to show off to the general public, to you guys, to to everybody, when he gets it. But he's in Alberta. He can't just go out and shoot this buck with a gun. He's like, I have to take my bow because I didn't get the draw. And this thing is a -a once-in-a-lifetime buck that he's got on film. But it's getting spooked... Um, or he, to try and get close enough to it, it's bedded down in a field with bales behind it. But there's too many other deer in the field that pop up and run away and stuff and push this guy out every time he goes back. But the the videos he showed me yesterday were phenomenal. But in BC, oh, legal, legal buck, shoot it, get the gun, yeah. pop it. No, we
0: are blessed to live here, like yeah. as hunters, and yeah. and even if you're not a hunter, if you just like. Oh, I just came up through Jasper with my kids in the motorhome. Yeah. And we went for a couple little hikes, and it was, you know, I was in Alberta. Yeah. But that's the Rocky Mountains, and you're walking around in there, and you're like, there's very few places in the world that you can just go see all this. Like, you drive for hours through those
1: mountains. Yeah. And it's all open for us to just go walk around there yeah it's it's unreal so many parts of the world they've closed them off created parks that you can't even go into and stuff that i mean we right now there's there's some battles that we're we're seeing with with some government but we won't get into that but um we're very fortunate in bc
0: yeah Um, and we can all afford to go there yeah like there's other places in the world that maybe you could go but you can't even afford to do it no and like a lot of places that have mountains that you know
1: you can't even i don't know we're we're lucky yeah yeah. The only spot that I've experienced that I found was better for hunting was the Yukon.
0: I have never been there other than on the road. Okay, and uh yeah. I've had a lot of friends say it's like a totally different thing yeah. than what I'm used to here. Yeah, that was phenomenal. It's just like when we go and like I have hunted, I did hunt for a bit up for Rockies uh, down in like the Fernie area. Yep. And that's like a totally different, those mountains are huge. Oh. Yeah. They're, like yeah. like I thought we were hiking mountains here, like one mountain, like not going up and down and up and down, one mountain is a day. Yep. Like they are massive. Yeah. That is a marathon.
2: Yeah, no, even when I was down there on my intro to horse hunting, the, uh, yeah, like the pass, the low point between the mountains we were hunting was seventy three hundred yeah. feet. That was the uh, nice way oh it's crazy those things just go on and on
0: like there it's 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 rugged
2: yeah it's and like there's bush. 13 kilometers yeah. to just all of a sudden get into an alpine situation like it's just that.
0: yeah and there wasn't a lot of places where you can just like where we hunt you can if you want to stay out of the bush you can just choose to hunt an area that you start your camps above the bush and there's all these little valleys and stuff yeah. Whereas there, all the valleys were all way down at whatever, thirty-five hundred feet, and the top of the mountains are <laughs> nine or what? You know, oh, like yeah. it's it was, it was a different thing. Those guys in the Kootenays there, like that are guiding sheep. They are machines. Yeah, like that. And it's
2: very competitive there.
0: Oh, there! I've never seen so many other hunters. Yeah. Like when I go sheep hunting, my goal, if I see people here, I go there. Like I don't want to be around people, and I can usually accomplish that at least for the majority of my hunt. Yeah,
2: yeah. you you cross paths with someone comes pouring over a valley and heading out. Yeah, I mean, lots of times you will be in camp and you catch someone or, moving, or somebody oh, yeah, comes yeah, in. someone's coming out of the yeah. whatever the valley next down, uh, just because you're at a crossroads where yeah, for, or you'll, you you such... might seize people, long ways off, but yeah, because you thank you. Yeah, right. you never oh. Yeah, because yeah, you oh uh, you never. It, it, it never, uh, I should say, surprises me when I'll be glass and all of a sudden and like, hey, that's a, you know, that's a guy. I just it skylined like, a yeah, guy. He looks
0: like he's wearing kuyu. Is <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> so kuyu stood out like a silver <laughs> hey. Yeah. On, no. on, on, on
1: my ram hunt there, we were bedded down and watching my ram from 9.30 in the morning till about noon. And when we decided, yeah, let's go get him, John said, what the hell was that? I said, what's what? look over there so we're in this draw and watching my ram in by a lick and on the skyline he said I just saw a flash so we take the spotting scopes and we turn them 90 degrees and it's about 1100 yards through the bowl and up the other side we all get our spotting scopes and camera on them and there's two guides and a hunter Mm -hmm. and so then of course some words were said and what what now and and good thing we didn't push them that way. And we got looking, thinking, man, are they going to try and pull off an eleven 1, hundred yard shot? Because turns out, they stuck around. They weren't going anywhere. Yeah. They stayed for the entire event and watched it. But as as we, I snapped some photos. Did they watch you kill your buddy? Yep. Rat? Yep. <laughs> and so so I zoomed in on the pictures that I took. And buddy has a bow. So there's two young a guy and a wrangler. Two young guides. We're not sure what. And they're right skyline, and there's one little grassy area that dropped off that they're sitting, and they've got two spotting scopes and a camera and a tripod set up, right into the same valley we're looking into, and uh, and so yeah, we we kind of did one of these back and forth, and saw each other, and and uh, so then you now the pressure's on and being watched. Well, if you're already on a that's a different story. Yeah, like it's one thing if you're what just a foot race. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, from where they were, it wouldn't there's no getting down to where we were. Especially quickly. with the boat, a lot yeah. of times like that has to be really
0: planned. Like the couple of guys that I talked to, yeah, they've they, they watched that ram for a couple of days quite often and yeah. like, oh, that ram quite often feeds back up this way and, or and that's, comes down that way and they'll set up
1: unless the whatever fluke that the ram just pops out and it works. But So the draw that we were trying to hike up or planning on hiking up, the rams go up and bed down up top, is what we kind of figured from being there, and we think they were waiting for them for the evening to come up top and shoot it from above, up the one draw that the easy draw though it would have been for them to go up. Yeah. And so we think that's what was happening, or they're hoping we push them up. Or we were going yeah, to push Yeah, because you might bump up. them up right to the yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. And so when we
2: bullet hunted rams, often we would intentionally make ourselves present enough, and the rams would move in a direction where other buddy. Is it's already the located. You, yeah. They start watching you. They start leaving. You watch them once or twice to see what their habits are. Then you go and just move them. Yeah. You don't chase them. Ah, just yeah. You move Bump them. them. Yeah. They start getting up or paying attention to you. They start moving and say they edge the stage left and you are in their exit zone. And that's where you get
1: them. Well, and when I piled the ram up <laughs> and it came crashing down and we kind of did the high five and stuff, the first thing that John said was, That guy just paid 50 grand to watch you shoot the only legal ram in the valley. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's such a,
0: the guide, like the resident uh, guide thing. Like when you meet in the mountains, it's, if everyone can just act respectful, it's, it's good. Yeah. And that's because, you know, I guided, or while I was, whatever, working in the mountains before I actually got to hunt. Yeah. And so I came at it from like zero experience to that was my job. Yeah. And then I went hunting, whereas most people had already, like, they hunt before they guide, so yeah. they're kind of already on both sides, so it was, you know, like, and I just thought, you know, I'm naive maybe, but everyone's going to act respectful, and, because that's how I would act if I was the guide. Yeah. If, you know, if I saw somebody, I would, I don't own the area. Yeah. Like,
1: this like, is BC's
0: background, yeah, we yeah, all, have, the right we all, all have a right to be we all have a right to be there. Um, so, Try and get along, and if they're decent people, because I wouldn't say, like, this is, I saw rams up here, you know, I'm, you know, it just, if, you know, I, you quiz them out, you try not, as the guide, and even as the hunter, try not to give too much information, Yeah. but if they're friendly, you know, hey, well, we're we're gonna be hunting, like, this drainage.
2: Yeah, you know? my intention is yeah. to finish yeah. this. Yeah, thing.
0: and if, if they're like, well, the, we've already been up there, great, I'll go that way. Yeah. like. I do not want to be around people, it, but it's a totally different thing if you've already got a ram figured out, then it's like- We're sitting on them. Yeah, no, yeah, like, you know, I'm I'm hunting this. Yeah. And most people are, like, the most guides don't want to be anywhere near a resident hunter. Yeah. I have, I did run into, one time, a guy that tried to, like, basically tell me, like, what are you doing up here? Like, I'm in the middle near Prophet River. Yeah. Like, way off the highway. And, uh, this guy, (laughs) this guy, he, uh, tried to pull the tough bad show and I'm trying to be friendly. It's like 930 at night and I'm on my horse uh, and I'm riding down an airstrip to go camp and he comes out all, you know, chest puffed up and, and and I was trying to be friendly. And then finally I was like, listen, I will hunt wherever I want. So why don't we just get along? Like, don't try and tell me like you don't own this. Yeah. And, uh. Then he, like, calmed out, and, but then he just told me a bunch of lies. He told me his, like, I didn't know his wrangler. He said, oh, yeah, that guy's hunting this, and I'm hunting that. And yeah. my brother and I go in another direction. We'd never been there before. Wasted a bunch of time. Didn't get on any good rounds. And coming out, they had killed with a guy who was, like, in his 70s. who would had, like, his hips and knees just redone. Killed, like, a 10-year-old brundoff, off, like, 160 huge ram. <laughs> And And I was like, oh, that's sweet. He's showing me. And then he, I'm like, how'd the other guy do it? And he was like, what other guy
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I kind of lost it and we left. <laughs> it was like, dirty trick. We ran into guys up the river that weren't guides, it was just other residents, but they had choice words because, well, we're going to be going to hunt there. When Initially, when we pulled up, stopped, said hi, made some small talk, because this was the area we had planned on going. And uh, you always expect to run into people on the yeah. river. And there's camps set up everywhere that looks like a decent spot to go yeah, in. You were up the Musquehaw area. Yeah. 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 And uh, and just small talk, chatting with them for a little bit. And they're like, yeah, we camp this spot quite regularly and stuff. And we're going to be going up that mountain range, like one range over up there. I'm, oh, yeah, cool. That's, that's good. What are you guys up to? Well, we're probably going to head in this direction. And they're like, wow. That, that that's actually where we're going. Oh, okay. Yeah, no problem. And so <clears throat> the next day, so we we disappear and go set up camp elsewhere, and then they come down later in that day, and they're, what are you guys doing? Just just setting up camp and stuff. Well, where are you gonna go? In in this general direction. Well, we're gonna be right on top of each other, and we're gonna be, and, and then like, but that's the one spot we go. We're like, that's fine. We're gonna be in the same vicinity, but guarantee you won't see us up and they they went on the, the the long-winded story and and they ended up like never crossed paths once with them but they tried to strong arm us out of there the first day oh really you don't need to be anywhere in this mountain because we're going to be here we're going to and we're leaving today you're not leaving till tomorrow there's not going to be a chance <laughs> of anything and, and it was just no that's fine it's, yeah. and, and of course we didn't get into the, the the trail that we were going to find and and, and get to but it was just this mountain is ours was there we've been doing this for 23 years this mountain is for us to hunt on oh
0: there's super possessive but I guess I'm not competitive enough because I'm just like I do not like if I can go the whole hunt and I don't see people but I don't see sheep yeah I'm okay with that yeah I'd be happier than seeing realms and like butting heads with people and I like I'll go hunt areas aren't as popular yep. because
1: I just don't want to see the people. And that's why I have a hard time with hunting private land versus public land because you're, <laughs> if you're on somebody's farm and you have permission and then you run into someone else and they're like, I'm the only one with permission Like, just the whole oh, dynamic yeah. of it ruins it for me. I want nothing to do with that and I'll go take the, the public land where you run into someone, you give them the nod and you continue on. Yeah. Like when I'm moose hunting or elk hunting and it's just part of the experience. It's it belongs to everybody.
2: It's crown land. Yeah. that we all can use. And just yeah, respect. it's extra special when you're hunting your own land, and guys are trying to kick it, <laughs> you off your own place. <laughs> They're like, dude, we we have exclusive permission. I'm like, oh, I well the, yeah yeah I, I know. have the deed. The, <laughs> yeah. the best, I got the, the best title to all this land you're hunting on. Yeah,
0: the guy like, you know, I the the Hutterites live up the road from us. Yep, and I get along great. They're great neighbors. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they even farm the tiny bit of my field that's left and I'll catch guys glassing mine and my neighbor's field my neighbor really doesn't let anyone hunt I like he's let me hunt in there a couple times and he let one neighbor and he would tell me every time I would say is it all right if I still hunt the field in your part portion he'd say yeah and the only other person is this guy and his daughter yeah and that's the only people so I I know who can hunt and you know most of it you would be shooting towards my house anyways. (laughs) And, uh, every season, like, all... It's one thing for people to slow down, because... There's animals in the field. Yeah, we used to have alfalfa, Tons of animals. Like, when we bought our place, there'd be a hundred deer in the field sometimes. It was crazy. And moose everywhere. And, uh, so I would stop and look at anybody's field with that much game. Yeah. But, uh, then when they're there, like, 15 minutes later still, and it's hunting season and you go up and you knock 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 how's it going good what you guys doing oh just uh just out uh driving around <laughs> well uh are you guys planning on hunting this field because it's posted posted private property oh no the the hunterites said we could and it and it's like well they wouldn't tell you you can hunt this field i guarantee you. <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that the Hutterites never even have told those guys. You know, like, yeah. they're, it's just something they know they, to say because the they're 108s. a large landowner. Yeah. So they just get group picked, like, oh, we'll pick them because, yeah. you know, they have, say, 30,000
2: acres that yeah. they're in charge of. Accountability. Yeah. Account. It was someone with the last name Cheddar told me that. <laughs> to. uh, yeah, it's not fair. You talk to any of the
0: guys and they're like, uh, no, no, no definitely yeah. they wouldn't tell somebody
1: to hunt in your field <laughs> but yeah it's uh yeah <clears throat> so to get into the meat and potatoes of um the reason we wanted to have you on i mean this has been phenomenal this first hour or so but this about hunting. without a podcast this yeah, is exactly normal. exactly and, and that's the, that's the cool thing about the hunting community and people wanting to share stories and stuff but you have a a very specific story that uh i, I think we can use as a teaching tool And people can learn a lot from and I think it's a very important story to be told and I think it's something that could save lives down the road yeah and I'd love for you to just start from the beginning and and let us know what happened okay well um, was that
0: 2015 Uh, went on a sheep hunt my wife's a school teacher and she wanted to come and we went with friends it was in the uh, Bessa River area, so in between the Prophet and the Redfern Trail. Yeah. There's like the Prophet, Bessa kind of zigzags down toward like from Redfern. Yeah. And uh and the the Redfern Trail. It's kinda of like three valley. Three Yeah, you
2: got the Keely's, you got the Besa, yeah. the
0: Neves and all you know. And it's a really popular area, especially that Redfern corridor yeah and uh, lots of people go through there it's a quad corridor trail yeah, right? yeah. eco
2: people to yeah just it's like, beautiful too. like yeah it's like I, the, I, was, I was up there for the first time to actually redford this year oh for I've real never been there until i haven't been there either
0: I, I have a lot of friends actually uh like uh drew and Drew and susan yeah. we've talked that maybe in the next couple of years because it is like the oh, uh lake louise of the north or whatever you want to call it. that is beautiful yeah and uh and you're right in the mountains and you can get there by quad. It's yeah. Yeah. unreal. So we took our horses. With
2: effort.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And probably a breakdown yeah. too. Don't bring a really crappy quad. <laughs> yeah. um, but so we're going horseback hunt because that's what I like to do. And my wife and I have, uh, I think we have six horses. And then my brother has horses and we have all the pack gear. And that's what how I do my hunts usually. And friends of ours who had hunted that area a lot over the years, um, so we were going the next to the north of the Redfern trail off the Bessa and kind of hunting a general area there, and no plan and, and you know just go up there and have a fun hunt. so there was five of us there was my friends Gavin and Paula who were had been in the area lots and they're experienced horseback hunters and uh then my wife Leah and my my best friend Chris, and we all went and we had a pretty good hunt we had some horse issues which were sad we actually lost a horse uh in the first couple days of the hunt it was terrible we uh, we think it ate something that poisoned it it, uh, so that was a bad deal and then we left that area subsequently because there's a a dead horse up there yeah and and we couldn't get it out Uh, so then we hunted closer to the best like we were up a drainage we came back and we were ha- we are having a really great time outside of the, the it really sucks to lose a horse first oh, time I ever had happened and. and it was my my brother's horse actually which sucked even more not because i had to buy him a new one cuz i had no. you know but it wasn't even my horse yeah. and it anyways it was that was a bad it's deal it's borrowed gear and yeah and and you do like most, i yeah. form attachments to them even like that one i didn't even... <clears throat> barely know the thing and it it's, it's part a, of it. this trend. it's like if somebody's dog
1: died mm-hmm. it, it's traumatic unless it's a vicious killer right like yeah. yeah uh and if you were dog sitting while they were away oh, it's, yeah. it'd be tough yeah Same and
0: thing. and that's an unspoken thing if you're gonna lend your horses to somebody like the unspoken thing is is i am going to replace that animal yeah but things happen it's yeah. you know you're not riding at Jim camp Yeah. in the mountains and Anyway. Adversity
2: is around every yeah yeah you know you yeah, whether
0: everyone you see. know people have lost them to bears, river crossings, twisting a gut, whatever, yeah. um, you know getting sick and then not being able to get them out. Yeah. But uh, so, anyways, that was that was crappy. We were having a really good time up until that happened, and uh, then we come out hunt off the Bessa, day hunts and on the I want to say the fifth on September 5th, Leah and Chris and I were hunting up kind of north of our camp, and we rode up a couple hours, and the whole goal of the trip was to get Chris his first round, like that was his first horseback hunt, mountain hunt, like, and it was, he was loving it, right? And he had geared all up, like he had brand new Sitka gear, the top of the line, you know, everything. He even, he had a GoPro on his chest a lot of the time, (laughs) and he was, he was having the time of his life, right, and he lays down, and it was, it had been kind of crappy weather, it snowed on us, and then it got good, and that day, the sun came out, and we were glassing sheep, we were like right at the river, and while we hadn't, we had seen maybe some lambs in use, but we were glassing a big, long range,
2: I think they call it Ram Mountain, I don't even know, but it's like I always call every mountain Ram Mountain. No well, one like, actually knows which one it if, is.
0: If the highway's, you know, running north south here, yeah. and then the uh, the Red Fern Trail's here, and then the Prophet's up here. Yeah. It's the mountain you can see from the highway. That's a big long ridge. Oh yeah. But it's like thirty, you know, it's a yeah. thirty or four. Right. It's that big, you know. It's like a five kilometer really? long ridge.
2: An old hogs back yeah Yeah, kind of a low mountain yeah it is real jaggedy nasty no no it's an older mountain it's a winter ranging mountain yeah and
0: uh somebody told me they call it ram mountain anyways we're sitting there and i'm like chris is like on the ball and it's getting warm out and it's like black sand, and i got my boots off i'm walking around in the gravel bar like just like this is awesome it's a nice day and he's like i see a sheep i see a sheep and it was like holy shit and he's like not looking at the top where you'd expect it he was his eyes were on that trip and he spotted I think there was 10 rams I don't know a group of rams and Leah and I and or we all like look at them for a while it's hot out though and we're like a kilometer plus away (laughs) and so it's like yeah there's definitely rams in there yeah like and dancing and it's like two or three o'clock in the afternoon already so we kind of decided okay we're gonna we're gonna watch these guys for a couple more hours and then we'll give ourselves like we're not gonna hunt them tonight because you know it's probably a bad idea and yeah in your
2: september you're burning you know like
0: yeah you can't make a good plan, yeah it uh, gets dark at like whatever eight o'clock it's dark getting yeah, dark then. inside of cow dark and uh <clears throat> so he uh we go back to camp and in the morning the school year's starting right away so my wife and the other couple, yeah, they wanted to go out anyways. Like, that was kind of like the amount of time they had. Yeah. And Chris and I didn't have to go back. So we're like, okay, goodbye, guys. Kiss my wife goodbye. And we're going to go kill that ram. Or a ram, hopefully. Yeah. We're going to go hunt them, right? And we... I don't, I don't even know if we saw them from the bottom. I think Chris did spot them jumping over the ridge when we got up there in the morning. So we hiked up and we got down like above them actually, but it was per- fairly flat. It wasn't like a jagged peak. It was like a nice brushed out
2: alpine top of the mountain. Yeah. And big wide flat, like nothing's flat. Kind of like a caribou Plateau. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah for it, sure. And, and um, people don't realize how many sheep live in those kind of lower. No,
0: no, and they were definitely living in there because yeah. you could tell they like they were living. The feed's in there. good. Sheep are good. Yeah, research, lots, right? lots of feed. They're not goats. And we, we got on the rams and i couldn't I couldn't get a legal on the nicest ram and we, it was the end of our hunt, and there was a nice round and it was full curl for sure, and we were trying to age it, and the other round was nicer, which Chris was like, and I'm like, man, I just can't get like, and this is our our last day i said i I know that that ram is legal, yeah. I think that one is, but I can't get a full curl on it, and I can't get an age on it from here. Like, how, how far are you? We're only like 300 yards. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was just, I, I would only, you know, there's 10 rounds, Yeah. and there's two, they must have been related, because they were like tipped out, same coat color, one was bigger than the other, but they had the same horns, Yeah. and I was like, oh, and he's like, that's the one I want, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, but this is our, like, I, I don't know. And so I, I, I don't know about that ram. And we, we didn't want to move because we were kind of pinned when, when they popped up. Yeah. Like they didn't see us, but they might have smelt us. I don't know. Like they didn't run away or anything. But they were all kind of, you know, those, those big rams where we could barely see them half the time. And they'd go over a hill and there's six rams over here and two over here. And I didn't want to spook them. I said, if we move around too much, you know, it's.
2: Everything's gone. It's
0: 1 one thirty right now we can sit here for a couple more hours but they keep on seeming to move that way and we're not going to be able to just run down this flat mountain after them (laughs) like we're going to have to wait a couple hours once they go over to like shuffle along some more so we anyways he shoots his first round excellent shot and we get up to it it's a legal round and he's he's super happy and i'm happy and we get in on it right away because we've got horses tied up down at the river and we quarter it up and peel all the meat off and I, I think I even deboned and just shoved it all in my pack and I think we were heading off the mountain at like 2.30, like from the top. Yeah. And it's not a huge mountain but it, with the, you know, your pack with your gun and everything, probably I had the rear quarters and he had a bunch of the gear and I, I took more meat but he had more gear. We're probably like that hundred-pound pack yep. around, it. and you know that's that's a lot of work, right? Yeah. And so, I thought, let's let's get going. We took snapped a bunch of pictures and got going down off the mountain. And uh, there's a burn, so you're coming down the mountain, and it's fairly wide open. We had to come through a little cliff bend. Yep. And then, you fairly wide open until the bottom like third. Yep. And so, about five o'clock probably we're going along and we get out of the opening like oh, the, the, the really wide open where you feel like you can see hundreds of yards yeah. you know you can't see everything but but uh, and then it's old spruce trees that are like 50 feet tall that were in a burn a long time ago <laughs> and we started down through there it's actually pretty easy to move through for a burn like everything was still it's standing old enough that but everything was still standing oh enough like there was blow down a bit but I've been through them that you can't walk walk on top of it you know it's crazy right and this was fairly open still and as we're going down Chris he was behind me which I try not to do anymore like he was like 40 50 yards behind me and we're going downhill and we're in this like it's brushy. you can still see quite a ways in the right direction but uh he turns or he says something like I just heard a bear roar. I was like, you know, you're tired. And you're like, bullshit. You heard
2: me fart. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and uh, so I just, all I said, like I I said, what? And I just turned around and looked and he's looking uphill and he's like, I just heard a bear roar. And at that moment I heard, it wasn't a roar what I heard, maybe he heard something else, but it was like uh, uh," like a running thing like like every time the chest. Yeah, I think every time that bear's feet were hit, because it was full bore running, when it hit the ground, it was going to like make him crust. Yeah,
2: because yeah, when they stride compressing the yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, And it was up, running downhill. Like a cheetah. Yeah, like, They can oh. only take one breath per stride, right? Not like that's where we can breathe and run.
0: So Chris, there was like, he was, there was a little hump there, like very little. And he was right underneath that. Kinda, And I was further back So I could see them So he said I heard a bear roar And then I Thought bullshit And then he uh, Stood there for a couple seconds And I did too just looking Because like what the heck is this Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say from 150 yards away At that point I see the bear And this is five It's really hard to tell But this is say five seconds after we heard it and there's this sow with two cubs just full bore like and they are fast holy cow cubs are running too yeah the cubs were they were kickoffs almost like they were probably 80 pound bears or 100 whatever they're they're bigger than my dog yeah and uh they're running straight towards chris i I, he couldn't see them yet and i just started uh like he i started yelling at him like that Like, the bear's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I don't remember the exact words. But anyways, he started beetling towards me, thinking, okay, I'll get to him. And uh, and that Sal closed the, like, she was probably a 100 yards from him still when I saw her. And I just started screaming at him, like, get your gun out. Like, get your, and so he, like, she's going to be on you. And he, like, so mistake number one, never put your gun in the side of your backpack. Unless it's one of those quick release, or like my dad, on his pack frame he had a coat hanger, yeah. that he'd sling the strap over, he could just grab the gun. Yeah. Mine was shoved in my water bottle holder, yeah. and strapped to the side of my pack, because it's way easier, it's way more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I even thought his about These
2: guns it. are horrible to pack.
0: Yeah, they are, they're yeah. wretched. And I even, when we did it, I actually, I don't know if I said And set do you it. run an
2: external or an internal frame?
0: I run a, like kind an Arc'teryx, a big 80 liter yeah. internal, like it's not a frame pack.
2: My frame pack, beauty about it, I have, you have the frame tips. Yeah. And you can hook your sling there. That's kind of what hangs. my dad does. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's
0: awesome. So <laughs> I knew it was a bad idea, but I thought, you know, I've spent. I've done it a million it's times. It's so comfortable. I spent hundreds yeah. of days in the mountains.
2: Your story <clears>
0: actually makes me not ever yeah well i have a i have a sitka pack which i really like it's like a 30 meter pack i bought here and the gun goes right here behind your back there's like a loop i will never use that again unless i'm packing a second gun
1: yeah
0: like never i have meat on my back so that's something but um anyways that's the that so chris instead of just taking his gun off his shoulder he did the same thing because Probably because I thought I did it, and I'm like, yeah, this would be easier. So he did it too, right? And so he takes, and he had a pack just like mine. So he throws his pack on the ground, and the sows say, oh. when he does that, she's 80 yards. And he's trying to get his gun out, and i am got my pack on the ground, and I'm trying to get my gun out. And all of a sudden, the sow is like 10 yards from him. Oh. And I just scream at him, like, and, he turns around and shoves his arm in her mouth and she takes him to the ground. And she, he's laying down and she's over top of him. And thank God the cubs never interacted in anything. But uh, I, have you ever seen a dog killing mice in a field? Yeah. Like they like bite, yeah. that's like she was like biting him and he's like underneath, I could see him pushing on her. And I finally got my gun out and I have a Tika T3, which I love, which I bought here, actually. <laughs> and uh, Craig knows the gun because he's worked on it. So, like it's nothing fancy, It's a, it's got, I got it a semi, like it's a custom action, or a, sorry, a factory action that you guys fluted the barrel and put a muzzle brake on. Yeah. And then, it, like it was a package gun they bought with a Huskimo on it. And uh, so I ripped my gun out of my pack and so the bear is a little bit farther than that back wall, like with Chris, from yards. me. Yeah, yeah. 12, yeah, twelve yards. Yeah, no, like the far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want to say she was yeah, thirty. Years. So she was probably thirty yards. Yeah. Okay. She was she was a distance, and I had my gun out, and I thought I can see him laying there. I can see her like On. three feet above her. Yeah. Or above him. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna put my gun up. My gun. I was like dead calm. Like, it was crazy. I didn't expect it, but I thought, I'll shoot her, and then I'll run up, and I'll shoot her. Like, you don't think much. No. But that's, I didn't want to shoot Chris, I knew. Yeah. So, I close my bolt, and I pull the trigger, clip my, when I rip my gun out of my pack, I hit my clip release, there was no clip in my gun. Holy. It was crazy. And then... I went into full panic mode. Yeah. And I spun around. I I didn't know where that clip was, but I in the top of my pack I had a second clip. So I grabbed it, slammed it in, closed the bolt. I put the gun up, and I'm like moving like this. Yeah. Like I can't shoot. Like.
2: Yeah. You might shoot
0: him. Yeah. Like it was like a. And
2: shooting him's a guarantee.
0: Yeah. It's like a three foot group. Yeah. At thirty feet. So all all I like, all I did was I. I just yelled at her like I was picking a fight with her like I didn't know what would happen but I was (laughs) like, hey! Hey! As loud and as aggressive as I could and the Cubs actually ran away when I did that. Yeah. Which is like but she just, I don't even know if she knew I was there because she like looked off at him and charged me. Like didn't even hesitate. It was crazy. So as soon as she came off I shot and I know I missed. Like I was all excited and she's moved and like I watched a guy on YouTube shooting hogs, yeah. like a German guy. Yeah, on the, on the run? Franz.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and there's like an announcer in the background, and this young kid is just whacking these hogs, and they're running, yeah. and he's like, Franz Nils uh, is very efficient with his shots. He waits in places. That was not me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I like shot, and then she's moving, and right at me, and by the time I had opened my bolt and closed it again, she was like four yards from me. And all I did was I <laughs> grabbed that gun like a pistol and I just pointed it at her and I pulled the trigger and then she was on me. And I'm fairly certain they never found the bear. They looked for the bear just to euthanize it yeah. if it was wounded. Yeah. Uh, I'm fairly certain I hit her, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it could have been like, I could have hit her right there. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. I felt like like I was like pointing center like, mass yeah I felt like I was hitting somewhere in her chest in theory vitals but yeah. if I did and it was a good shot it did not slow her down at all like for initially yep. like she didn't like hunch up
1: Yeah,
0: I think I would have had to hit her right between the eyes the yeah. only way yeah. like or like break something the like a shoulder nervous system yeah. shut yeah. down yeah, yeah. cause head. like she didn't even flinch she just came right over me and I don't think she was you know it's hard to tell but, like, I think she's, like, a six-foot sow. Yeah. Like, not even a big, but a healthy... Mature. Yeah like, yeah, like a 250 to 300-pound In mass.
2: comparison to a boar, like a sow, yeah. a mature sow versus a mature boar. I'm here pretty sure if that was a
0: boar, I would size. not be here. We Because, like, <clears throat> so, when she attacked me, I remember I did get my gun back like this, and I, like, I shot, and then I grabbed my gun, and she kind of, like, just charged straight over that. And I remember like shoving my gun at her and then she knocked me over and she was biting me. Like you can see yeah. my scars. Yeah. And, uh, and she bit me right here, like there's, there's teeth marks like this and it hooked up into my carotid artery. And at the time I didn't know, but I, I actually suffered like a stroke pretty much. She punctured my carotid artery like a pinprick and uh, I a blood clot went up in my brain and I, within seconds, I had no control over the left side of my body. Nothing hurt really. It was insane though. She's like attacking me and I'm, as she's attacking me, she's biting me. And it, it felt like when you pull something over a rough surface, her teeth on my skull, and it didn't hurt. It was freaking crazy. And I was just, at mid attack, and I'm like, this arm, I didn't even realize it wasn't working at first. And I'm like pushing against her. And she's, she, she, like it was probably for me, I, I want to say for Chris, we've gone back and forth, we don't know. I want to say she attacked him for 45 seconds. And she ripped him up pretty good. And she attacked me for 5 to 10 seconds. And, uh, but all the damage on my body was just here. She yeah. did not chew on me like she chewed on him. Yeah. Like he's got a full bite mark on his arm, like a bear mark. Yeah. He's got, he had 150 stitches and staples and I just had to get my head stitched up. But but anyways, I'm paralyzed. As she's biting me, it's like, man, it's crazy. I I remember thinking, it doesn't hurt. (laughs) Like she's biting me. What the heck's going on? And it doesn't hurt. And after however long it was, she kind of, just like, kind of, she bit me on my butt once, through my pants, picked me up and dropped me, like, pick me up a little bit. Yeah. And then she just ran away. I could hear her because we were right above the river and there's willows below those, those spruce trees. And you, I could hear her and her, like, I, th- I think for like a minute or two because it was dead quiet. There's no wind really. And uh, I think what happened, this is just my thought. I think what happened was she came in on this, the COs think it was, uh, she felt threatened by us. I beg to differ, not to say that they're wrong, they might be wrong, but I feel like she started charging from hundreds and hundreds of yards away, bringing her cups to us, which very well, maybe she... Smell blood? Well, I had lots of friends that guided in that area, and those bears are very habituated to hunters, and they said you can pretty much, if you see grizzlies in a valley, you could just pull the trigger, and most of them will turn around and slowly start to head in that direction belt yeah, yeah yeah
2: gut pile or whatever yeah, yeah. And oh yeah not it's very present in uh, yeah tissue ease and stuff I mean it's, oh. it's, it's frequent so yeah, they uh,
0: I think just talking with them that she heard our gunshot on top of them on the wind was going uphill it was a normal day yeah you know we shot the ram at 230 and she heard our gunshot at the top of the mountain and
2: she was somewhere else say the bottom of the valley well they're always She's in that transitional stuff yeah that's where you have i have all my and attention. i think it, whether Fairies. it was just a fluke
0: she didn't hear anything and she smelt our blood or she was side up to where she thought there was a kill and then we're below her and as she because we had just walked through there which we could have missed her but but uh i don't think we came down past her but anyways it doesn't matter um I think she brought her cubs down after that meet, thinking that might be the kill. Who knows? Maybe I'll drive these guys off of it. It's an educational experience for, yeah, the cubs for sure. a lot of ways. And she attacked Chris, and then she got shot at, and I scared her cubs away, and maybe I did hit her, and all of a sudden she's not feeling like, you know, the adrenaline wore off 15 seconds later after she got shot, and all of a sudden I was like, ooh, I don't feel that great. My cubs are running away. I'm gonna leave this, right? Because yeah. uh, she just left, and she never came back. Yeah. And then I'm laying on the ground there. Well, the first thing that happened was, was I lost control of my bladder, so I pissed myself. Yeah. And I'm laying there thinking I'm still not hurting, like my arm and my leg don't work. And what the hell? What, like what is happening?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, like it was crazy, and I wasn't hurting, right? Like I, you, you think when something happens, it's Gonna hurt like a bastard, and it was like I'm just sitting there, and I thought I thought Chris was dead, like he had stopped screaming, like it was very, like it was pretty gruesome, right? Yeah. And he had stopped screaming, and so I was like, "Holy, f- he's dead." Yeah. And so, and then I couldn't even get up off the ground, like I'm laying there. You know, it's uphill, and there's like bushes and blowdown. Like I couldn't have probably got across this floor very easily, let alone up that hill and help i didn't have to thank god because i'm laying there and it, i i think about 10 seconds went by and i was just starting to set in like holy crap and here's the kicker so we had an in reach but we had one it was in chris's pocket up there right and i'm thinking holy cow he's dead he's dead i can't get to him like or if he's not dead yeah he's out of it because yeah. he got messed up
1: yeah
0: and so I'm trying to get my head wrapped around this and then in the most normal voice you could ever imagine, Robbie? And I was like, (laughs) what the? Yeah, and I'm laying on the ground there and he's talking like very normal and I was like uh, he's like are you okay? And I'm like, well I'm here but uh, the bear's gone I think but I can't move and he's like okay, I'll be right down we've been friends since high school like you know we're pretty close friends, and Chris is a paramedic, the best person you could have. <laughs> and he, like emergency services workers, they have that when they're in, at work, that serious, uh no emotion thing. Yeah, he it kicked right in for him. So he he comes down and he's like, "I'm gonna get you fixed up." And he's coming down, and then he looks over at me, and he is he looks like a zombie. He his his eyebrows hanging down like yeah. the bear. Like, he's covered in blood, uh, and he's just like, how are you doing? And I look out for him. And I'm like, "Geez, like, I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking, man, you look worse than I feel, like. Yeah. And he, he's just like, uh, what, what do you what's, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know, I can't move. Like, I could feel everything. Like, if I pinch myself, I could yeah. feel it, but, like, I could, like, pick my hand up, and it was, like, dead meat. And I'm like, this does not work. I, I could talk normally. And uh, I we didn't know I had a stroke. Yeah, and it's actually not called a stroke. I forget that there's a there's three letters. It's like a, uh, it's the same thing, but but it's like I didn't I wasn't ill. I right. had yeah. Blood clot from a trauma. T-I-A. TIA. My
2: uncle just had one two yeah. days
0: ago. Yeah, that's what they referred to it. But we didn't know that. So Chris is looking at me. He's a paramedic. He could see my carotid artery, and he's he didn't say anything. Yeah. he's a pro right yeah he's like i'm gonna get you fixed up i've already sent the sos on the in-reach. um help is on the way and he's like putting me at ease right yeah and i i'm thinking holy cow he must feel all right he's not telling me that i can't see right this is what i can see yeah like this and i can kind of go and he's telling me don't move because i don't know what's the matter with yeah. you. Uh, so i'm just like laying still chris lights me a fire gets me water probably the last water we had and gets my down jacket out of my bag puts it over me puts my rain gear puts my two lightly on my head like gets me as comfortable as I could yeah and he loads all the guns or both guns gets them loaded up and then he's texting and he's like yeah and I thought he was just texting every time he's had lost a lot of blood he's passing out against the tree he just didn't I didn't even know that for a year so he's he's like sitting, he's like, yeah, just wait, I'm just gonna send a message or something. And then he'd sit against the tree and pass out. And then he'd wake back up and then he'd check the message. And to his credit, he had some really good people in Port St. John that he worked with that he sent the message to. So uh, we got help like right away because it was 5.30 when I think he sent the message roughly. And it helicopters, unless you have like a specialized helicopter and license, Helicopters have to be on the ground half an hour after sunset, legally. Like, they'll lose their license, right? Yeah. So they have to set down. Uh, so they were pushing it to even get to us in time. Two helicopters show up um, before dark. And, and Chris, so, but he had texted people to say, get a hold of the right people. We need a long-line helicopter. We're stuck in the trees, he can't move. So they dispatched two helicopters, one from Fort St. John, one from Fort Nelson. And the one from Fort St. John had a conservation officer and a paramedic that Chris actually like somebody he works with and uh the one from Fort Nelson had a police officer and two other paramedics. And then they all they all uh come but you can't land on the side of a mountain. No. Like it's like this and there's trees. Yeah. So they, the one pilot nosed a helicopter in, and the the police officer and the two paramedics kind of stepped off the running board, and they came, Chris, so the guy who's been passing out, hiked like 400 yards up through the brush, got them, brought them back down to me, and the whole time they're trying to give him first aid, and he's like, no, 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 my friend. So we get, we get down there, and immediately the paramedics like get an IV, and and Chris giving us fluids, and then they're they're uh, trying to see, because there's a little bit of time left for flying, and the highway isn't that far from there, bucking horse, yeah. and so they're trying to get Chris on a helicopter, uh, and they're like, what do you think? And I was like, I think if he can get out of here, get him out of here. Like, yeah. So they hiked up to where they jumped off, but they just didn't have enough time, and uh, in that whole uh, ordeal there, um, there was some miscommunication from one member of the party. I kind of got left down there, and everyone was up there uh, with Chris in the dark, and I got left on the side of the mountain for uh, a couple hours. It was pretty pretty rough deal. Um, but so Chris is, like, out of it. Like, he, he didn't know anything. Like, he's barely conscious, right? And uh, And he's ill, and he's, like, he was really bad. He's going
2: to be coming down.
0: Yeah, like, like, I, I was, had the stroke, but I think I was still physically in better shape than he was because of all his injuries. Like, he got bit from the top of his head to the tips of his toes on the, the left side of his body, and most of that on the right. His arms, the back of his neck, the back of his shoulder, all
1: bite marks, like, all over. And so how far was it from where you were laying to where the choppers could extract? Uh, a kilometer and a half,
0: probably, through through like bush, because uh, the mountains like this, but then you know the flatland from the river, and it's all like trees and willows. Yeah. Uh, that I, it's hard to say, but it, it could have been three hundred. But like that, you can't walk through that stuff, let alone yeah. pack a guy on a stretcher. That, that I I was fairly certain I didn't have C spine, but they don't know why I'm paralyzed. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, don't move. Like yeah. You can't move. Well, at first, and then they decided to try and move me because there was some panic. Having people trained for that type of scenario is a huge deal. Um, the, those three people, one of them was capable. She had been in the bush a bit. Uh, she was more comfortable around wild animals and, yeah. and guns, yeah. like and, like firearms. She hunted a little with her boyfriend, I think. Yeah. Um, the other girl, Hadn't at all, and she did really good in the circumstances. The police officer had zero experience. He definitely was not, it didn't belong there. He was out of his element, and he's the guy with the gun. He's in charge, right? So he shouldn't have been there. Thank God there were people below us on the river because the both choppers just sat down on the river. Yeah. They were like, We're spending the night. Like, we can't fly out. We're not going to leave them. Yeah. So I'm lying there. And a lot of stuff had gone through my head already. Like I thought, you know, this bear messed me up. There's one point when Chris and I are talking as the chopper's coming, because it was cut three hours probably, or two and a half hours. And, uh, you know, he's being the super positive paramedic that yeah. you're, you're fine. Yeah. You're gonna be just fine. We're gonna fix you up. I don't know exactly what was going through his mind, but that wasn't it. Right? Yeah, no. And uh, But he knew help was coming at least. Yeah. And at one point, I don't know what happened but something with what was going on in my brain my voice changed and it got really high and reedy and i freaked out for like five seconds i was like started i was talking and then it went like and i i was just like man, tell my wife i love her and he's like shut up don't shut up right now he's like you're fine so i had already gone through that stage where i'm like this might be it yeah and i was kind of like okay people are here to help me i'm saved and then you go away from that for a bit, yeah. But I, I, I don't know if it's because of all the shit that already happened. I, I just, I was like, okay, I've just got to buckle down and spend the night here, maybe by myself. I don't know. Like, and so I curled into a ball and I'm laying there in a ball with no flashlight, with a gun that was left for me that I can't use because I, I, yeah. It took me half an hour to get my down jacket on because every time I, s- I grab a log and sit up. And then try and get my down jacket on properly, I'd fall over. Finally I got smart enough, I hooked my t-shirt over a branch <laughs> and then I was like that and I got my down jacket on. So I just curled up in a ball thinking I have to make it through whatever this is. But
1: it, it was weird, like I was and this is where you're left alone by yourself yeah. as they're extracting him or getting to the chopper.
0: No, they they had gotten him up there and there's this is the miscommunication. Uh, the the police officer told them that I was fine sitting around the fire, and he just left me there. And he went up with those people, and Chris didn't know better because he's like, man, if, if, he didn't know this for days, right? If I would have known, or he didn't know it until the next day when we were rescued, uh, I would have come back down there, and he's like the, <laughs> he, he's like messed right up. Yeah. And the two girls too, right? Like they, they just, I think it was probably only an hour i don't know it was pitch black when when uh but it's a long time it it is and i just was like i just gotta stay warm make it as long as i have to make it yeah i wasn't actually worried about the bear and that's what the officer like he he was panicked yeah for sure like there's there's a ton of people that would have been a way better choice to be there with him but anyways so he He was just panicked, right? And that's, he was acting irrationally because he was scared of a bear. Yeah, so that's why he ran up there because he didn't want to come back to me. Yeah. And they they lit a fire. I could see the fire reflecting off the trees. Like they were only like 300 yards above me. And, uh, and I, like, as I was laying there, I could see it and I could actually hear. And I even heard yelling, and I guess that guy got all, like, he was yelling to keep a bear away. Anyways, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, I'm looking downhill and I'm in this like I've just gotta stay warm, not expend energy. I'm just gonna huddle up here. And I have like you know, like thin pants on, like no long underwear. I've been hiking hard all day, yeah. yeah. T shirt and so my it come out warm Yeah, like an, a up. a thin Arcteryx down jacket, which is a really warm mm-hmm. jacket, but like it's not even zipped up. Yeah. And you know, it's been getting to almost freezing every night, right? And so I'm just like, okay, curl as much as I can in a ball. And as I'm looking down the hill, there's, uh, and I'm just laying there looking down the hill, because what else am I gonna do? Yeah. I see like LED light, and I was like, what the hell? There's nobody within, definitely within 10 kilometers of me that I could think of. Yeah. I didn't know the helicopter pilot and the CO, so two chopper pilots, and the CO, the conservation officer, and the one paramedic, Donna, They were they were down there, I didn't know that. And so I was like, what is this? Am I hallucinating? Like, yeah. I, I watched it for a bit, and then I'm, like, laying on the ground, and I just started screaming, like, as loud as I could. And slowly, after over 10 minutes, that there's somebody starts yelling from down there, and then the light's looking down at me. And, and I forget exactly what it said, but his Dave's Micah. And uh, he, uh, he's the conservation officer. He looked out and he's like, what the hell are you doing here? And uh, I, I just was like, I'm here about myself. And, and uh, he was like extremely angry for like three seconds. And then he just went professional, just like Chris was. Yeah. And he's like, don't worry about it. We're going to light you a big fire. I'm getting a long line chopper. We've got paramedics, blankets, water, you're fine. And uh, he got, they got me all situated. Then he hiked up the hill and grabbed the other group and brought them all to the same, so we're all together. Yeah. And uh, that was, I wanna say, I don't know, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. And they got, the chopper pilots were awesome and built this massive fire. <laughs> and then the one guy, like we're all sitting there, they just wouldn't let me move because they thought I had C-spine, so I'm stuck in a stretcher. And they're like, how do you feel? And I'm like, my back's sore from being in a stretcher. Like, <laughs> I feel fine. They're like, Yeah, but you can't move it, so I'm laying there, and nothing's we're just waiting. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: And uh, they uh, so we're just sitting around talking, and the police officer is obviously pretty quiet. Um, but the one the one uh, helicopter pilot lived in Whitehorse and he was going doll sheep hunting in like a week, <laughs> so we're talking, and like, he's like cold because he didn't have gear and stuff because they just like end up with the bush done. yeah and i'm like yeah on my backpack help yourself to whatever you want <laughs> so he's like got my sitka jacket on and my gloves on him, like different stuff and he's like man these are awesome like you can have them like i i don't i don't need them and he's like no no, no i'm not taking your stuff that's weird <laughs> but uh thank you anyways so the night just progressively got better yeah um sorry oh no problem at uh I think it was about 3 or 3.30 in the morning, a helicopter from Comox, the uh, search and rescue, like the military, it's a what is it called? It's twin rotor, Cormorant. Cormorant, oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Big yellow big bird. Yeah, yeah. Comes flying up from Comox into the mountains. They had to stop for fuel along the way even.
1: Yeah.
0: And they, in the middle of the night with like infrared or however they do it, they found us like with their coordinates too. Yeah. They dropped off two dudes. The guys like rappel out of the side of a helicopter, and they—they're uh, like pros. They're military. They're like, you know, these guys are amazing. stone cold. Oh yeah, Just yeah. There's no smiling, down. no how are you. Yeah. Like, how do you feel? Yeah. Quickly. Okay, we're gonna get you in this basket. Uh, We're going to get Chris in this basket. So they had like a cage that Chris had to get into. He said it was cold as hell because the the chopper went away for a bit. These guys got us all bundled up. Yeah. Because it was kind of freaky. There's like dead spruce trees blowing around underneath (laughs) this helicopter. They had to put the fire out before it got there. Yeah. And uh, anyways those guys get me in like a stretcher wrapped in a tarp Yeah. Chris in a basket and they even took two of the paramedics out because they didn't need to be there. Yeah. And they get them up in the chopper, Chris up in the chopper and then I went up and that was the, one of the scariest moments of the whole night. It was, because <laughs> there's bright lights and noise and wind and yeah. I have a tarpo, I can't see anything and you're like stuck in this thing and as soon as you get two inches off the ground you don't know if you're 40 feet off the ground if the helicopter flying around with you it was freaky and I like it was I, I remember just being like oh my god oh my god The helicopter's god just gonna crash your tree's gonna hit me and then all of a sudden they pull you into the bay and and, uh, and the, I, I remember a couple things from that like I never really blacked out we're in there and these guys are still all business I think they shot me up with morphine and probably Chris too and, yeah. and they're they're like Sartex, so these guys can shoot guns. They can jump out of helicopters into the ocean. Yeah, you know they they've been on uh, military, like they've, they 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 have been like in the in the military. Yeah. yeah, and so they they're pros. Yeah, and they're talking back and forth, and it was funny because the two paramedic girls that had been with us most of the night and Chris the whole night, the the guys had like saline solution and whatever. And they started like cleaning Chris off and I'm just laying there on the side and the girls started laughing because they were like because he had dried blood all over like he was black red yeah. right? and yeah. they were like were wiping off his face and they're like holy cow we thought you were black <laughs> like for real they, yeah. they, they, they're they like we could not tell that's how much, that much blood, blood was on his face holy they fly us to Fort Nelson uh, and then they drop us off there and then we, they cut all my clothes off my body, which was really weird. <laughs> and like like my down jacket, they're like cutting it. And I remember one paramedic being in the ambulance because they're prepping you for being on the, the air ambulance like jet. Yeah. To Vancouver we were heading.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, they're like cutting this down jacket off, and there's feathers everywhere. <laughs> and there's this one guy with the safety bag like picking them out of the air. But save the jacket oh, yeah. and you're thinking
1: yeah that cost me like,
0: 600 bucks I yeah, that's an with... expensive jacket <laughs> so then we get on that plane we get to vancouver i think it was nine thirty in the morning the next morning yeah um we get in right away i think like they they checked us out to make sure i wasn't going to bleed out probably and chris wasn't going to be. yeah and then they were going to send me for a cat scan it was the craziest thing because like the morning before, the day I got attacked, my, when I got attacked, my wife was still riding a horse. And she was- On her way out still? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, she had like four hours to go when I got attacked. Yeah. So, when, when, even when the first helicopters landed and everyone's, even when the t- by the time Micah and Donna and the two pilots got up to me, she probably wasn't even still at the highway yet, yeah. like not in cell service.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I'm laying there in Vancouver, the next morning at 9.30, and my wife looks over at me, and she's like, how are you? And I was like, what the heck? And uh, she rode out, flew out, and Chris's wife was there too. Yeah. And then I kind of lost it, like about, I, I like got pretty messed up yeah. uh, for a bit. And then I still didn't know what was wrong with me. And so they did a CAT scan, and they found the blockage. And I, I didn't know for probably a day or so that I actually had a stroke. Like, I didn't understand. Yeah. And, uh, Chris, uh, Chris, like, they started s- s- surgery on him, and, you know, he had, like, sti- stitches just everywhere, and they, they, they worked on him, and they got me in that afternoon, and they, they put, like, blo- to break the clot. Yeah. After they fixed me, yeah. they broke the clot to try and lessen the brain damage. Yeah. And. uh Then they, they, basically what they did with my vein is, it was just a tiny pinprick, so they took another piece of vein out of my leg for my artery, and they like laid it flat, and then wrapped it around and stitched it on. Like, you know, this is tiny, little micro-stitches. The surgeon showed me a picture, and he's like, yeah, I did like 10 little stitches, and it's like a pinhead, right? Wow. But fixed me up, so I'm, I come out of surgery, I'm laying in bed there and for some reason I had it in my mind I'm they're gonna do surgery on me and I'm gonna walk out of here and go home yeah like I am I'm good I'm fixed yeah I'll be fixed laying in bed wake up nothing works on my left side like nothing like I could feel but like nothing at all. and I'm freaking out wife comes in Leah comes in and she could tell I'm like panicking yeah she's like what's the matter and I'm like it nothing works and she's like well they didn't like they said it might work, but you might just have to heal. And I am like freaking out for like half an hour. I'm like, no, nothing works. Finally, I move my fingers like that. And I was like, all of a sudden I calm right down and I'm like, I'm gonna get better. Yeah. And uh, a doctor comes in and she's like checking, how are you doing? And I'm like, good, I can move my hand. She's like, oh yeah, it's an autonomic response. Like it's just your nervous system. And I was like, no, I can move my hand, watch. I moved my hand, and she, like, gets all excited, runs out of the room, gets all these other doctors. She's like, don't get excited, but we need to see this. And I moved my hand again, and I, it took me, I was, I was in the hospital. So it was September 6th, I think, we got attacked. September 7th, I got operated on. I was in the hospital for 10 or 11 days. Chris was there for most of that time, and then he got sent home. He was still pretty messed up. And, uh, I as soon as i was healed up enough i got put into gf strong cuz i didn't actually have a lot of injuries like you can see like, like i didn't have damaged muscles yeah. broken bones yeah. yeah and uh so i ended up in uh, gf strong which was amazing it's a it's a full physiotherapy rehab facility yeah. they have I, I i don't know if they still do but they had three floors one was like spinal injuries and mine was like Brain injuries, yeah. and then there was whatever other injuries, um, but uh, the whole hospital is it's an old hospital, and it's dedicated to getting people working better and so I went till November i want to see oh, yeah almost into December I went uh, every day, five days a week i was I lived in there until the middle of October yeah. in the hospital and I had like physiotherapists, occupational. I had like five hours a day of people getting me better. Yeah, and it was it was unreal. Like I, I attribute like I, I'm. I'd say I'm ninety five or better percent. I have a little bit less coordination and balance on this side, but it's, it's your left side. Most people are that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you know, my I don't do. I do a lot of things with my. But it's yeah. all. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's all minor. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i moving around. I'm doing pretty much everything I, I did before.
1: You're back in the mountains.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't affect my life really at all, other than I get frustrated sometimes with it. But it was, it was quite the ordeal. But it was also like a really weird time of my life because my wife got to have, like, the school board, she had a ton of sick days. Yeah. And they said, well, you can you can stay down there for as long as you want, but you have like 62 sick days. Yeah. So use sick days, yeah. like, you know, be with your husband. Yeah. My mother-in-law stayed with our kids. She had been living up here yeah. to hang, be with her grandkids a lot. And so she had been at her house, knew the schedule with the kids, school,
2: yeah.
0: whatever, like she knew their life, right? Yeah. So they just stayed at the house with grandma. Yeah. And <laughs> the, my, my, they told Kinley, my son, because he was at school, They said, uh, your dad got in a fist fight with a grizzly bear, and he won. Like, that's what, (laughs) so just because they knew he was going to school, that people are going to bring it up, right? And uh, so he just went to school thinking, oh, dad, fist fought a grizzly bear. He's just getting better, but he's fine. And Leah spent, like, to the middle, like, to almost the end of October with me down there. And after, like, a couple weeks, I could get in a wheelchair. And I could kind of get up and like I was feeling just fine. Like I didn't feel sick or anything. So we'd like, it was like we'd go on dates every night. Like, yeah. you know, it was really weird. Like for like a month, we were like going out and like no kids, and it was <laughs> like we said, you know, until we retire, this is probably the only time we'll ever do this. And I said, I feel like I'm cheating other than I can't walk, but like, yeah. I'm like, I feel fine. Yeah. And then I got better, uh, not, like I could walk. So when they bring you into GF Strong, it's probably the same at a lot of those type of places. They assess you for two weeks. And then two weeks in, I had just started to move my arm like that. Yeah. And, like, my leg worked a little bit. I could stand on it, but I, wasn't do- I was getting better really quick in their eyes yeah. from what they're used to because I was a healthy person. Yeah. And, uh, but they, they said, okay, well, what, you know, what's your house like? And our house is a 20-wide modular home. and it's on piles so there's five steps into it and then there's no steps in the house they said well okay when you go home our goal for you is you'll be able to get up those steps in and out of a vehicle and in and out of the bathtub and that's our goal for you And i was like no that is not (laughs) happening like i i have a business that i run out of my yard i'm a very active person and when i go home it's going to be winter i need like it's (laughs) going to be slippery cold i can't get to town as easy for physio, I can live half hour out of town. Yeah, I need to run. And they were like, oh, well, let's talk about it in a couple of weeks. Two weeks later, they had another one, and I was already jogging. <laughs> and they were like, okay, what, what is your goal now? And I said, when I leave here, I need to be able to run 5K. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like I need to be able to use my arms. Yeah. And we got there, it, it, like life's just got better every day since. Yeah. What day did you
1: come out of GF Strong? I want
0: to say we're
1: allowed to go home let's put it
0: that way well I could have gone home earlier but I kind of forced them to keep yeah. here because they were like oh you're doing really good you can go home now if you want and I said I don't want to go home I nope. can't get this at home yeah like I need to stay here until I get everything I can yeah and they were like okay cool you're an uh, outpatient now so I just came I bought a cheap car and I lived at my brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and uh drove every day yeah and I think it was November it was it was deer season was
2: kind of piling up, I Yeah, think.
0: it was the end of deer season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was right at the end of November because they had to... So in the meantime, when you get hurt, which I don't think is a bad thing, everyone wants to do something, and the most common thing is a GoFundMe page. Mm-hmm. And I didn't need financial assistance, and Chris didn't either, so we decided that we would donate all the money to uh, Search and Rescue, right? And... <laughs> on the GoFundMe page, they raised $16,000. Wow. And then, a bunch of friends threw a benefit dinner, the night, or like, two nights out, I was right after I got back. Yeah. And And, uh, I think you were there, were you? I like it. Yeah. And, uh, and then they had like an auction, a bunch of local friends that are business owners, bought the booze, they paid for everything, as a fundraiser for the search and rescue thing. And they fundraised another $16,000. Wow. It was crazy, right? Yeah. And so, we, yeah, it was right at the end of the deer season. It was, because yeah. I remember somebody was like, oh, let's go out hunting tomorrow. i am like, ah, I'll be over there. And then we donated that money to, I think that Prince George uh, was trying to get a long line program going, so the money got donated there. But yeah, it was, and then I did, I actually started working as a swamper a bit with Chris, actually, <laughs> in <laughs> December, because uh, he was already back at work a bit. and. He got me into a really good physiotherapist in Port Saint John, and I went there a couple times a week, a couple hours each time, and then yeah. did my exercises and progressively got better all winter. And I actually ran the Emperor's Challenge
1: the next summer. It
2: it's was amazing. It was awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. So absolutely amazing. It's got to be one of the most intense stories I've ever heard, and to hear it firsthand just blows me away. It was. Uh, I, I've heard it. Yeah, but not nothing uh, like that. No that's uh i'm sure you know i feel like
0: especially as time goes by it's been four years now
2: right yeah
0: uh like really like just just past four years and i feel like it becomes a little blurrier every year because it's not uh that traumatic anymore yep. but uh i feel like the story is slightly different like just the way that you remember things or what you remember to tell every yep. time but yeah it's uh quite a
1: it was, it's an ordeal. It's an experience. Well, and, and I find it an honor that you were willing to share that story with us. I was a little leery reaching out to you because I didn't want to offend you by trying to use your story as a, a pro, promo, <coughs> no, promotional no. type event. No. Uh, I think it's a... It, it can be an educational event, and, and before we get into that aspect, I still have, I got a couple more questions about, yep. about yep. the event. go ahead, ask questions. And um, what was it like? You're home, you've healed up, you're back in the business, everything's good. What was it like the, the first time you stepped out into the bush, whether it was, like, we're talking hiking, we're talking camping? It was, uh, it was, I went grizzly hunting the next spring.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: not, not for a revenge thing I don't have a problem with bears I'm definitely so I was like I think I think Chris has got past it but he like I think it was more traumatic for him in the fact that he got mauled seriously yeah and then he had to deal with me yeah right like he had to, like I was out of it like yeah yeah whatever I, I uh, shot at the bear and then it ran away and then that was it for me I didn't do anything after that yeah it was all on him right and yeah. he's he's a paramedic too so he's got to rescue me and he's not that good himself and he just got eaten by a grizzly bear like yeah so he he's getting back into hunting more but he's you know it it was it was a pretty hard hard ordeal for him yeah and uh, a lot of traumatic stuff for me for some reason the life aspect of it was fairly easy i didn't have a lot a lot of nightmares the the worst thing that happened was four days after I got attacked Matt my brother bought me an iPad and I he downloaded a bunch of games on there and I'm in the cafeteria at Vancouver General I think my parents were right there somewhere or Leo and Matt were my brother and uh there, there was a deer hunter game and I'm playing it and a bear charges me on the thing! They almost threw that. Oh, my God. I, I almost had a heart attack. But that was, like, one of the scary. Like, I didn't have... I've only had a couple of dreams, and they weren't, like, nightmares. Yeah. But going into the bush, even, like, when I'm at my house now, I'm, like, I need bear spray, or I need something when I'm with my kids. Yep. It, it's not as much when it's me.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, I am definitely way more cautious, but, like, when I'm with my wife and kids, I need something to, like... Reassure me a little bit, like, or to make me feel like I've got my bases covered. Like, we usually have a couple dogs, yeah. And you know, if we're hiking, I pack a gun, she packs bear spray, yeah. And I uh going into the bush, my gun does not leave me,
1: yeah.
0: And I so now I've tried a couple different things. Still, the best thing with my pack is I just stick my gun over my shoulder and I will clip my clips over if I'm in really rough terrain, yeah. yeah. And at least in a person should time this. You're so slow. It, it, say five seconds. I'm ready to shoot. Yeah. As opposed to thirty. That's the the and other have
2: two mags in your gun now.
0: Yeah. So the really cool thing was that Greg and my brother Matt did. But so I lost that clip, and my brother was like, "Well, I see this as a problem. Like not the losing the clip, but like you didn't have access to one." So Greg built a clip holder <laughs> right in the bottom of my gun that another clip can clip right into my stock stock look up and uh
2: the next one next one and it,
0: this thing is awesome like so i i have a tika t3 a 7mm meg i i have four clips for it i have two four shot clips which are a longer clip and i have one three shot clip uh, that works though my other one's messed up so i carry my four shot clip right here which yep. is a little unwieldy because yep. it's not smooth then yeah and then i take this clip and i don't it have a have it. It, it fits in just like that and there's the same releases on my gun and i can just pop that clip out and i have i have so i carry four shots in my magazine yeah not I don't usually carry one in the chamber, yeah because I don't want to shoot myself or somebody, yeah unless it's a bad situation. Yep. Um, I carry three shots there, which that thing is awesome, yeah, and then I also on my vinyl pouch, I have a four shot clip yep. and you know I also you have enough to like if something goes wrong when trying to kill something, I, you have options, and you also yes. have three different times or two different times after you shoot that you can be like, okay, let's reassess this yeah, but yeah, that is awesome. I and mean, i don't know was that strictly at first because Matt asked for it like or had you already kind I of had thought developed about it, it yeah.
2: on my
0: own rigging it's and awesome after the fact Our <laughs> Mine looks beautiful just like that i have a lighter yeah. stock similar to that
1: and uh the thing's wicked yeah. this is a design that was designed in-house greg's one of the brain children on this thing and it is something that is available um in for only in aftermarket stock so feel free to reach out if you have any questions about this but yeah money well spent and that's so the the last thing that i think so
0: carry your gun so you can get it that's super important yeah, yeah if, if you've got a huge group of guys okay if somebody wants to put a gun in a pack cool but like Two guys, two guns Numbers are numbers Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. if you only have one gun because you're going light Have that gun super handy And Dang. the best guy to use that gun should have it in his hands Because like I am not a great shot at a running bear That's charging
1: when I'm excited Yeah. Some people probably would have dumped that bear Well, And you would have been the first time around until the panic set in Because you were so yeah. cold and calm To be
0: honest, now if the same thing happened If I could use my brain enough yep. I would probably wait till that bear Had his mouth in my barrel Yeah I don't even know if I would have taken the first shot. Yeah. Like, at that close, I would wait until I could touch its head with that gun. Yeah. Or something like that.
2: Right here, tucked
0: in tight. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because...
2: You will get flesh.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know, because I could have missed that second shot, too. I might have. Yeah. But that's something I've learned. The second thing is... Because you only get one. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, unless you've got a semi-automatic rifle, which I'm not big on shooting. No, no, because
2: you probably will have a jam.
0: Yeah, or something
2: hits. bad happened or yeah. whatever. But uh, everybody kind of runs a bolt-action rifle. Um, and if you can, get low the same line so that you're, yeah, you're not shooting. I
0: think it's something I need to practice more, but like shooting, shooting, shoot. Like I, I, I shoot off a bench. Yeah. But that's a totally different scenario. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, having a really good duck hunter who's good in the bush, would have been perfect. Yeah, Because those guys know how to shoot. Fast. Yeah. Yeah. Could have to a acquisition yeah. and, and yeah.
2: falls.
0: But regardless, have your gun handy. And we had one in reach. We had probably, I probably had $10,000 worth of gear on me. I had Sitka rain gear, Sitka pants, poly this, you know, a Sitka toque that's $38. Yeah. I had uh, Swarovski, my brother's Swarovski spotting scope. I had my Swarovski range-finding binoculars. I had uh you know, a three thousand dollar rifle plus a hundred and two hundred dollars worth of ammo, yep. knives, all the like you know, the backpack. You easily can have up to ten thousand dollars in that pack with your optics, tripod, rifle, gear. Yep. Why wouldn't you each have an inreach? There you can get a cheaper one for three or four hundred bucks. Yep. The top of the line one's six hundred or whatever it is, six fifty. Yep. And what is your life worth? I, uh, if Chris wouldn't have got up off the ground with his in reach, yeah. I might not be here today, right? Yeah. It's, uh, and now I carry mine on me. I don't even carry it in my pack. I carry it, well like when I'm hiking, I carry it in a pocket so that it's your body. Because I don't know if I've never been in a car accident or anything where you you can't use your body, but that was the first time in my life I couldn't, I wasn't invincible. Yeah. Like, you I, I always think you get hurt, oh, I'll drag a broken arm, yeah, it'll suck, but yeah. I'll get out of there. Laying on the ground when your body doesn't work is, that was the most sobering moment of my life. Like, to know that, holy crap, I can't just get out of this. But if I, you know, that's a pretty good insurance on your pocket, and ours worked really well. And in reach, people were really good. The search and rescue was really good. Um, yeah, it was... It was uh, pretty amazing all around, but you know, it's 550 bucks and if you're only hunting with it, I think it's $2.95 a month to take your subscription down to like, it's not working but you keep it. So like you can do that three times a year, I believe. They are amazing and they're they're, they're not the only people out there but the thing I like about the inReach is it's worked for me, it works well. You can tie it into your phone for easy texting Yep. and they're even coming out with new technology now that garmin bought it every
1: year yep. they just get better and better i'm guessing you wait another year or two and there'll be something even better brand new one just came out two weeks ago three weeks ago mm-hmm. <clears throat> gps map 66i i think it's called and it's the in-reach technology in a full topographical map gps oh that would be with the micro sd slot so you can put your bc backroad map book or oh, for real global you can that would be anywhere. awesome just came out, we've got one, we go. We can't keep them in stock. They're a little little more money, they're more in the $800 price range, yeah. but like you say, cheap insurance on your life.
0: Yeah, I I think I. my brother and I have bought and given away at different things, like six or eight of them since my attack. Yeah. Like, they, you know, spend, well, you guys sell in reaches too, so this isn't too bad. <laughs> spend $600 less on your rifle or optics and yeah. get,
1: that is way more valuable. Yeah, yeah you don't need the top of the line designer camel no you can buy price point flannel shirt (laughs) yeah
0: oh yeah no uh or buy bargain bin stuff for that and buy it you can even find in reaches like used in like whatever everybody should pack one if you're gonna go do
1: that kind of activity yeah Everybody should be packing. And whether you're snowmobiling, place. rafting, whatever. i got a buddy that's texting or messaging me three times today because he's rafting a river right now. That's awesome. And he sent out three messages and, and I can see where he's at and I knew where he launched. And
0: Yeah, I it's a it really good peace of mind for your family at home too. Yep. Yeah. Or like the other thing is, is sometimes you don't need it for emergency but you need it because you're stuck in the bush for some reason. Your quad
2: broke down. The river comes up Yeah. you're like... uh or your Jetboat breaks. Oh, your yep. Jetboat breaks down. Yep. Yeah. The texting aspect is so much more oh. advanced than the I'm okay, yeah. need it, <clears> uh, <throat> in distress, but okay, and send help. Yeah. There's a lot between those buttons. So uh, Need impeller. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: That's it. My, I, I got a flat tire, whatever. Yeah. And you send that, they get a map. They're fairly accurate. Oh, it's phenomenal. So like if the person has any or they can talk to somebody who can figure out their right way around the bush. You know, if there's a way to access that, that map
1: is amazing. Yep. yep. We got stuck in an ice flow. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was Mother's Day weekend, and we rafted up, or rafted, we riverboated up the Pine River, got off and started hiking looking for antlers. Yep. And while we're up on the hillsides, we get a page from Rod's daughter that's sitting down by the boat with her friend at the, keeping the fire going. I but had already laughed at this point. Look over the bank, there's lots of ice and it's hitting the boat. We're like, ah, okay. A bit of ice broke loose. Go over. The boat is being lifted up at an angle. A boat that they had just—that was maiden voyage, or yeah, I didn't even pay for it yet. (laughs) I didn't even pay for it. And it's Uh, and it's up like this with chunks of ice the size of Volkswagen Beetles pushing it, and it's pulling it out into the river. uh, And the whole river is just moving. It's just bubbling with ice. So we, fast as we could, got down there. Rod and I. Well, I jumped onto an ice chunk and into the boat and I started chucking everything to them because the boat's like this Yeah, it might and go. chucked everything out that we could use. It's got a shoelace for a freaking bow line. Oh, an old shoelace. Know? So we got all <laughs> of the ratchet straps hooked onto the bow and tied to trees and it took us a couple hours just to get it into shore Enough. And, and where we were comfortable with it. But we had to hike up and got to a spot where we could get it, a signal and yeah. we got a message out to Greg letting him know what happened. And said, in case you need to come for us in the morning, we don't know how this is going to play out. Next morning, uh, we ended up building a little shelter, sat around the fire all night. Tried to sleep in little waves, but it was minus three, four. It was raining on us. But we had a fire. We had some snacks because we brought enough food to, to get us through. And the next it morning... Was yeah, it was Easter.
2: Yeah, it wasn't Mother's Day. It was Easter. Easter. The, the next morning and, is... And, and I had... My sister was there. And her um, kids. Her kids. And, yeah. and, and all and oh, so stuff. Oh, so you got to keep it like... We took two fun. boats up. And he had to leave with the one Um, boat. Because they were going to leave later. So I'm like, oh, at like 7.30. Because it would light out forever. Her kids were being just, you know, difficult. So they they were done. So I was like, perfect. Yeah, we'll head out. And these guys are, you know, there's lots of time left. We are just hiking around. There's six of us out there. Easter egg hunts and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, I get to the top of the Taylor Hill and bling. I'm like, what? Really? And what it was is the whole Murray cabbed oh really yeah and the whole river hours hole. hours and a- like there was ice flowing
1: from let's say four or five in the afternoon till about nine thirty at night the ice was finally done and then the whole river dropped three feet now this massive uh 350 chevy engine riverboat is high and dry oh, on the bank and we got to get it 10 15 feet down to the water's edge the next morning and it was it was it, it's a story all for itself but just had we had the we had to get up to get a basic message out to him oh on a cell phone. on a cell phone yeah we didn't have an in reach yeah so now everybody's got well, the reaches. technology
0: is so amazing like when we were guiding there wasn't in reaches yeah there was sap phones that worked
1: in all right. right
0: we had a global star system which it was all right back then
1: yeah but like How
0: sometimes this? like yeah it was well it was because because they're expensive yep. and they'll pelican case yeah <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah some guys yeah. waterproof some guys had like a it almost looked like a protein shape mm-hmm. yeah uh container Shaker. but well, we weren't yeah. supposed to we were supposed to leave it in that pelican case with the spare battery at the yeah. charger and pack it around in our backpack and, yeah. and it you know it weighed like four or five pounds the
1: yeah thing. the case yeah. alone yeah yeah Oh, that's awesome. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming in tonight. Yep. We are running out of memory on the camera for sure. That's, that's <laughs> but I mean, fine. W- we got through it and it is, like I say, that's probably one of the most, um, I don't want to say overwhelming, but I mean, I'm blown away. I was just about brought to tears hearing your story. Oh, I <laughs> come to tears easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the emotion and, and, and the power that came across in that is just, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable story that i'm very happy that you were willing to share it with us and share it with the world and if anyone can learn anything from it yeah. like you say though and they carrying carry your firearm spend the money buying in reach yeah in reach or buy something yeah
0: and carry it on you like don't like just like my gun don't yeah. like just don't those are
1: important p- tools yeah and uh yeah i can't stress that enough Robbie Austin, everybody, and uh, if you have any stories of your own that you think would be excellent for a podcast, you want to come in and talk to us, please reach out and uh, subscribe, follow us, and, and reach out. And if, if you want to share anything with us or get on this show or know somebody that would be an excellent guest, please contact me, Aaron at Corlanes.com, or leave a message through um, whether it's YouTube or whatever whatever media you, you saw this on, and uh, let's make it happen. Thank you very much.